And good morning. It is a Thursday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. He's Griffin. Prince Charles is here as well. Today's show brought to you by this print issue of Pressbox, which is available at your neighborhood Royal Farms and the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox. And you can read it all at PressBoxOnline.com. Gunnar Henderson's on the cover. A lot of lacrosse content in this one, meeting players from around the area. Go get it for free right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms. Coming up this morning, Cam Holden, uh, Towson getting ready for the start of the CAA tournament. They'll play on Sunday night. They're the number three seed. We'll talk to Cam about what it's going to take this year to break through and get the job done and end this lengthy drought. What are we at now? 33 years? 32 years. 32 years? It was 91, right? I think it was 91 was the last. Yeah. So Double check. Make sure I'm right about that. Um, Yeah. Over three decades of a drought for uh, Towson and the NCAA tournament, the longest drought of any area school. We'll talk to Cam Holden about that a little bit later on. Also this morning, uh, our buddy Jake Luke. You had been following him for a long time with the Baltimore Beatdown podcast, but uh, he and his partner Spencer have now shipped off to the Exit 52 crew. He'll tell us about that. We'll also talk about uh, the every. You're not going to believe this. We'll talk about Lamar Jackson. We just decided we mix things up today, do something a little bit different, and talk about Lamar Jackson. Why did, not? did something happen? Why not? Why not? Um. And so also this morning, I, I'm, uh, this is a really neat story. The basketball teams at Johns Hopkins are both headed to the NCAA tournament. So their coaches, Josh Leffler and Catherine Bixby, are both going to join us this morning. Um, they came in together. They've sort of found success. They both replaced legends at the same time. They both went over 100 wins this year. Like it's There's some neat synergy about those two programs at Johns Hopkins. We're going to catch up with both of their coaches this morning. That'll be very neat. We'll do that later on as well. Plus, it's Thursday, so we need to get into some uh, fighting words, and it's a big week for fighting words because uh, the biggest— Because Jake Paul fought last week. No, not that. Not That's not the reason. Although if it's included, we can talk about it more, and I'll say some things, but obviously the big reason is because John Jones, Cyril Gane, is on Saturday night, so we will talk Debut about Debut of John Big Bone Jones. Right, because he is a heavyweight now. Almost more notably, Bo Nickel will be making his Not UFC more debut. notably. I promise you well, it is not more notably. We'll see. We'll see in like two years. <laughs> no, in two years, it might be. It is not more notably right now. I promise you that. Speaking of heavyweights, have you, uh, you ever watched the film Heavyweights? It's a kid's movie. I don't feel quite as strongly about it. I don't know what was next on your list. What was next on your list? Uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall. Forgetting list. Sarah Marshall is definitely the next on the list. That one's the one. Well, I guess Creed 3. Well, no, no, I, we're not doing... Yeah, that's not for this segment. You can watch... I'm going to see Creed 3 this evening, in fact. Uh, I will uh, nice. be checking that Ooh, out. Thursday. That, if I'm being honest with you, that's the most important thing about fighting words Release this week. night. That's the most important thing. Yes, my uh, friend Simon Habdemarium, former press box writer, uh, he and I have uh, standing dates to go see every Rocky movie whenever it comes out. We were also supposed to go on a date last year to see uh, Top Gun together, but I had to cheat on him because, yeah. unfortunately, if something came up with his wife's family and he wasn't going to be able to go, and I was like, dude, well, I, I'm not not seeing Top Gun. I, and I, I was like, dude, you know I love you, and you understand I don't want to cheat on you with my wife. Like, I don't want to do that. Like, I would rather be with you than her. Like, I said that very clearly, and I mean it to this day. But she wanted to see it, and I didn't want to wait five days to see it because everybody's talking about it as being the greatest movie of all time. And in fairness, it was unbelievably good. It was incredible. So I'm glad that I, I went to see it. I finally got to see it last like, last week. You didn't. 
Literally everyone on the I know, planet I know. went to see well, Top Gun. I was like you. on vacation the week it came out. All I, my friends saw it. It was like the number me. one movie in the country for All like seven weeks. All my friends saw it without me, and then I just I just never oh, went around to see it. But I finally saw it. it was very good movie. I absolutely <laughs> had a thought to go see Cocaine Bear by myself this week. I just didn't have time, mm-hmm. right? Like I had no time. If I get if next week there's a night where I, I've got nothing going on, I swear to God, I will just sneak over and see Cocaine Bear by, by myself. I don't care. I mean, I'm yeah. over it. I'm yeah, that, over all of that's that. That's one of those movies you like just have to enjoy by yourself. Yeah, right? I don't care what anybody else thinks. Yeah. I don't care. Uh, Paul from Movielando says Jonathan Majors. He saw it last night, and Jonathan Majors is definitely the star of the movie for him. Maybe so. I don't want to know anything else. I haven't even looked at Rotten Tomatoes. I don't want to know. Yeah. I don't want to know what anybody's saying about it. I just want to be able to go. There are so few things that bring me joy in my life. So very few things. Rocky movies bring me joy. Don't want anybody to try to mess with it. Whatever you do, if you send me it, I'm going to fight you. Like you were, were Lil Duke. Yeah, all right? That's the way it's going to go. Going to see Creed tonight. I'm excited about that. All right. Um, as expected, we don't learn much yesterday from the Ravens during their press conferences out in Indianapolis. But look, man, I... I tried telling you guys that. You were going to be disappointed. You weren't going to get a direct answer. Until there's an answer, you're not going to get a direct answer. I mean, this is the, the reality of what you're dealing with. I, I, I was trying to parse through and see if there's anything. I know everybody's criticizing John Harbaugh because he said he didn't break down the film of Georgia when he hired Todd Munkin. Todd, John Harbaugh's getting a ton of crap about that. Let me read the actual answer directly. John Harbaugh says, he was asked, uh, did, uh, we watched a little bit of it. It was more in the context of uh, Todd expressing his vision for our offense going forward. So we watched some of their tape doing it. I didn't sit down and break down Georgia tape. I didn't have time. It would have been nice, probably, but I didn't feel like we needed to. The response from a lot of Ravens fans yesterday was extraordinarily negative to just that one soundbite. I I didn't sit down and break down Georgia tape. I didn't have time. Well, what? <laughs> what if you don't like what you find? At the same time, and this is where I'm going to be try to be as fair as I can possibly be about it, I, I don't think you have to break down the film in order to know what Todd Munkin did at Georgia. Scored 65 points on the biggest stage. Yes, that that definitely happened. I do remember that, but it's not just that. (laughs) He did other things, too. Um, I don't think it requires a deep film breakdown. I also don't know if that would be John Harbaugh's job as football CEO. Now, to say, is there someone else that was maybe involved in the process? He said he had a committee, right? Like, did anybody in that committee bother to break down Georgia tape and try to get into the intricacies it would be nice if in giving that answer, and I don't know if it's true or not. It might be that John Harbaugh was just answering a question and not thinking about it to say, oh, by the way, Anthony Weaver led a team, and that team, absolutely, we assigned them to studying the film of all of these guys, and they broke down the tape and told me what they thought about it. Like, for pacifying the Twitter mob, would that have been a good part to add if that's true? Yeah, probably would have been a good part to add if that's true. I'm not really sure in the process that it's John Harbaugh's job to do the film breakdown. He's the football CEO. He's the guy that's got to ask the questions, figure out what the relationship would look like. Now, if you're if you're a cynic, and I definitely have been accused a time or two of being a cynic myself, perhaps you take that combined with what we know about Tom Crean's relationship with Todd Munkin, and you say, oh, 
this is proof you didn't really do your due diligence. You just hired your brother-in-law's friend. If you're not out there diving into the film and making sure you understand all of the intricacies of a Todd Munkin offense, which, to be fair, we are to understand changes and will change based on what his personnel is. But if you're a cynic, you'll take that and you'll combine it with the idea that he's a friend of John's brother-in-law and you'll say, this was a sham. This, there was never an actual search going on. You interviewed a bunch of guys and you were always going to hire your brother-in-law's buddy. Like That was always the way this was going to go. If, I wish I could tell you that I'm worked up about it. I'm not. I'm not. I, I think it's a, a flip answer to a question that we're overreacting to because we live in the world of Twitter where one tweet begets 6,000 tweets and a bunch of jokes and the whole thing. The other point that has been brought up is, why wouldn't you just lie about it? Well, again, you're ignoring the other part. We watched a little bit of it. It was more in the context of Todd expressing his vision for offense going forward. It's not like he's saying, I never watched any of Georgia's. I have no idea what they were doing offensively at Georgia. Can you guys clue me in? There's a big difference between that and doing some sort of... We, we're, we are nerds on Twitter, and we believe that because people have declared themselves to be film experts, I go back and I really dig into the film. Like, for the most part, any of them have any idea what they're talking about. And this was no, no disrespect. I believe that some of them have taken scouting classes and have a sense. But the same thing I've always told everyone, and it's why I stopped giving credit to PFF grades significantly. I used to treat it as Bible like 10 years ago. You don't know what a player is being asked to do on a certain play. You just think you do. You think you know that. Because it, you, it reminds you of other calls. It reminds you of other situations. Or within the course of a play, you can look and say, hey, it would make sense if that guy was supposed to be here. Or if he, like, we're all plenty capable enough with just a minimal amount of football knowledge. But none of us actually know at all what the responsibilities of every player was on that play unless you're the guy that designed the play or you were the guy on the field running the play. So what are you going to get from John Harbaugh sitting down and doing like a, you know, acting like a Twitter nerd and going, no offense, and, and going in and doing a 10-hour film breakdown? What, what, what does that do for you? I'm just not worked up about it, man. I'm not. When they're a top five, I guess even top ten, you know, offense after the first. Yeah, month we're or definitely so not going to care yeah. now if they're not. Now, again, yeah, all the of these other things we'll use as ammo and we'll deal with it. Then it's the reality. Yes, to me, much like I said about the Tom Crean relationship, it matters as much as how successful Todd Munkin is as the offensive coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens. He appears to be in every way a qualified candidate, and everybody that's talked about Todd Munkin appears to be very high on him. So. None of this stuff bothers me. If the Ravens are miserable offensively this season, it'll all come flying back at that point. We will have all of those conversations then. It matters who's a quarterback as well. It certainly mm. matters who's a quarterback. And, of course, we get the exact scenario that I expected us to get at the Combine from both Eric DaCosta and John Harbaugh. They love Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's their guy. They want Lamar Jackson to be the quarterback. All of those things. All of them. Okay. 
Cool. So why isn't he? Is cool. He, well, I mean, he's question? gonna be. Like, I mean, like yeah. for at least a the week. short term, like he's gonna be. I don't. I don't know what there is to say. I, I'm tapped out a little bit. I'm. I understand all of the emotions of this. I understand all of the feeling. I I've tried a couple times, and I thought Lee Steinberg did a really good job of explaining the totality of the situation. I'm always going to be bothered. Even our buddy uh, Jake Luke is going to join us later. I'm bothered by anyone who is continuing to try to suggest that Lamar Jackson is like being held hostage by the NFLPA. Lamar Jackson is an adult. He is a human being who has agency, autonomy, all of those things, the ability to step in and say, if that's not what I want, that's not what I want. He has that ability. Would the NFLPA potentially be disappointed if he were to give up on a fight for a fully guaranteed contract? I know there was this report from Diana Rossini yesterday that suggests that they've dug their heels in. Yes, I bet the NFLPA would be disappointed by that. But, you know, that's no different than any other quarterback that didn't get a fully guaranteed contract, i.e. the overwhelming majority of them. Suggesting that he is a pawn takes out any agency that Lamar Jackson has. And not I'm not talking about, you know, representation-wise. I'm talking about actual human agency. He's an adult. He gets to choose what he wants in this. Now, it's easy to say, well, he's a... he's Remember, he came into the league at a very young age, so he's still a young man who is governed by the principles of respect for his mother and appreciation for her role in him getting to this point in his life, that matters. And, you know, what she wants in this process matters to him. And he appears unlikely to say otherwise. But that's still his choice. He gets to make all of those choices. I've tried going over this a few times. When you compare the deals that Lamar Jackson, or the deals that other quarterbacks have gotten, and you say, well, this is proof that teams aren't doing fully guaranteed deals. You're, and ESPN put up in a graphic yesterday as they were sharing out this Diana Rossini uh, report. You're ignoring something. You're ignoring that those guys didn't hit the open market. Which doesn't guarantee that there's a fully guaranteed deal to be had on the open market. But the reality is, the quarterbacks that did hit the open market, Deshaun Watson, it wasn't even a fully open market, just the, you know, a wink-wink open market. And Kirk Cousins, once upon a time before him, they were able to profit off of the fact that they hit the open market, and drive demand. Now, I got into it with a bunch of people yesterday. I am very aware that Kirk Cousins' contract, because it was three years, was different than Deshaun Watson's. But don't kid yourself into thinking that teams would have just been happy to give out fully guaranteed three-year contracts either. The words fully guaranteed were quite taboo. Owners have colluded to prevent those words from happening. 
this notion that, well, anybody would be happy to give out a three-year fully guaranteed deal. No. Not at all. I get what you think you're saying. Most contracts are essentially guaranteed for the first three years. It's the back end of the contract where the cap flexibility comes into play. I understand why you think that that doesn't really count as a fully guaranteed deal. But make it abundantly clear. The words have been taboo. The owners have fought and colluded and held the line to prevent those words from coming into play. Kirk Cousins would not have gotten even a three-year fully guaranteed deal had he not been able to hit the open market. The open market is the difference. What Lee Steinberg said, if Lamar Jackson were to hit free agency, he'd be able to get whatever contract he wanted to. Ring true, because as we keep talking about, it's a quarterback desperate league at the moment. And all it takes is one team. The reason why it worked for Deshaun Watson on the open market, everybody keeps saying, well, you have to understand, that only happened because the Browns were out of it. and That's the way an open market works. You find out that you lost... But you need a quarterback, and so you go back and you say, tell you what, we're upping the ante. That's how an open market works. That's the concept. Exactly what happened. Three teams were in on a quarterback. One team didn't offer enough. They were told they were out of it, and suddenly they needed the quarterback so badly they were willing to do whatever it took. Open market. Lamar's not on the open market. But if I'm Lamar Jackson and I'm negotiating, I I made this comparison when I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday. I don't like playing poker. It's not my thing. I get bored. Call it ADD, ADHD. I don't know what it is. I get to a point of the night where I'm like, what are we doing? Let's just go all in and let's just, let's do something else. I don't have it in me on it. The way that people get like their rocks off by trying to figure out somebody else's tell like, I could sit here all night and just try to figure out someone's... Te- like, I, I don't have that. In- it just does not interest me in the same way. Like, let's get on with it. There's got to be something else we can do. This is... We're just sitting around playing cards. Like, maybe... I, I, I don't know. When I was young, I enjoyed trying to talk to girls. Like, that was something that I was into. Maybe we skip this part and get to the part where, you know, I, I might end up having some sex or something like that, right? Like, that was what I was interested in. So... I'm that guy. Cut through the crap. I don't. I one thing that drives me nuts is having to have meetings. I don't care for. How many times do you have a meeting and you come back and you say, "Well, this could have been an email, right?" Like, just cut through it. Get to the point. Stop with the yeah, but you know you're under contract. We got, I'm. Let me skip ahead for you. Let me skip ahead to how this finishes. Let's just go all in right now. I'm telling you, I'm willing to go two years in the franchise tag. Because I want to find out what my open market value is. So you can negotiate against that, what my open market value is, or I'm not going to do a deal. I'm not giving you the benefit of what everybody wants, which is stability, which is you know, comfort that um, you know, I'm not going to get hurt. I'm telling you I don't care. Whether that's because Lamar Jackson has an insurance policy that protects him, should something happen between now and then, if I'm Lamar Jackson, I'm telling them, I'll go two tags. 
one, uh, let's play chicken. I don't think you'll do a second tag because I don't think you can afford it. I don't think you'll pay 120%. I sure as hell don't believe that you're going to go for a third tag, which is 140%. I think it would wreck you. But I don't even believe you're going to do a second tag. I'm willing to play this thing out. So negotiate against that number. And if you match anything I could possibly get on the open market, then we're good. Deal's done. But if you still think that I should do something less for you because I'm not on the open market, I'm telling you I'm skipping. Back when we used to listen to CDs, there would be tracks on a CD that you always knew you were going to skip to get to the ones that you liked. I'm skipping that track. I'm going right ahead. I'm getting to Izzo, H-O-V-A. That's the track that I want to get to on this, the blueprint. I'm skipping that. Skip the part where you're like, well, you know, hey, there's that risk. If you play on the tag, you could get hurt. Nope, we're good. I've already handled that. I'm going to do it anyway. Now skip to what you would offer me if I was on the open market because I I know what somebody else would. And now let's negotiate off that number. And I don't know that that's what Lamar Jackson is doing, but I know it would make a whole lot of sense based on what the open market says that type of player is worth and why Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson or, you know, if it's Joe Burrow next, wouldn't want to do the same, that's up to them. And not, if I'm Lamar Jackson, not my concern. I want you to negotiate an open market deal, which is astronomical. All right, joining us now, Towson Basketball, getting ready for the start of the CAA tournament on Sunday night. They will be the number three seed. He has been a critical part of the Tigers' success the last couple years. It's a pleasure to welcome back into the program Cam Holden, who is with us here on GCR. Cam, the masked man Holden, we called him for a little while. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Morning. I'm good. It's good to hear. Yeah, right. Exciting time, isn't it? Definitely is. You, you guys like feel it that you know that game down in Charleston. I know it didn't go your way, but the atmosphere was insane. Um, the game at Wilmington, like you start to feel like some sort of. I'm not saying that you're not into it in December or January. I understand that, but is there just something about the atmosphere, the intensity, everything that's at stake that makes you kind of say like, "Oh hell yeah, this is why I do this." Oh yeah, the conference got some unique places to play at. Like um, you name two. Hard place to play, but I got to give it to North Carolina A and T too. That place was rocking. Like, wow, we couldn't hear thinking that. So like, it's crazy that you can go to a place that like super quiet one get one game, and the next game you go to a place that you can't even like hear your coach say a play. So like, <laughs> you can definitely feel it. You know, that Charleston and UNCW trip is definitely one of the toughest, and I'm kind of glad we had that one at the end because now we kind of see what we need to work on. You know, going into the tournament, you know, those are two. Great teams. I mean, in our conference, you know. So, Cam, I you, kinda, yeah. I mean, look, it was a, it was a great way, a great test for you guys, and a hell of a win down at right. uh, Wilmington on Saturday. After, I think for a lot of teams, it would have been easy to sort of say like, all right, well, you know, this wasn't our way. You guys dug in there, got a great win. Um, Cam, when you transferred to Towson, you arrived at a time where the program was ascending, and I have no doubt that you were thinking about the ability to win the league get into the NCAA tournament. Now knowing, like, this is kind of the end of the road, how important, like, how how much are you feeling that right now, that sort of now or never um, emotion of it getting ready for the CAA tournament? 
Um, it kind of hit me yesterday. I was sitting in my room, like, it's literally, like, do or die out here for me, you know. So, basically, make sure everything's sharp at practice, you know, trying to take practice even up a notch, you know, talking a little more, make sure we can limit our mistakes, you know, just make sure we can make the best runs possible. You know, last year we came up short. You know, a lot of people thought, you know, you was telling us, you know, y'all was a tournament team, tournament team, and unfortunately we came up short. Um, this year we kind of going to play the same two teams. We got the winner out of Delaware and Northeastern, two teams we played last year. So we know how to take none of them teams for granted this time and be sharp and ready for any opponent we run into. What did you learn from, from that last year, Cam? Like, obviously it was disappointing, right? You guys were the regular season champs. You were the team to beat. You were – Red hot. What did you learn from that experience that is going to fuel you guys as you head back down to D.C. this weekend? Um, I kind of learned it's, just, it's one game at a time. It's not a seven-game series or nothing like that. Um, the championship go to the most connected team, not the team who got the best regular season record. So, like, we got to be sharp on every, every end, the defensive end and the offensive end also. So, staying with each other, you know, Stand together. That's one thing I've seen that won a championship. I mean, Delaware was in our position last year, and they won the championship. So, is there, kind of the mindset we got right now it, it, that it, we're not the top dog. We kind of the yeah, underdog. That's yeah, kind of the position to be at. Are, are you guys talking about any of that? Like, what what are those? I, I it's a weird thing because I imagine you also don't want to put too much pressure on yourselves, right? Like, you don't want to get too uptight going into this week, right? So, how do you handle that like conversation of? You know, dude, I, I got to do this versus not wanting to have some of these young guys end up being too wound up going into the tournaments. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, we got older guys on the team. So, like, me, Nick, and Charles, you know, we kind of talked about it earlier yesterday about, like, we got we to gotta be sharp. I mean, you know, we got teammates and everything, but us three guys can be sharp. We'll have a great chance of winning every time. You know, if two or three have a good game, we still have a great chance of winning. So, um, the young guys just got to play their role. And they know their role on the team, and they, they know what to do. You know, we had our younger guys made a huge shot. Christian May made a huge shot yeah. at USCW to tie yeah. the game for what a minute ago. So you never know when your number going to be called and just be ready at all times. I, I feel like it's one of the stories, right? Like these the, the other top teams in the league, you've played them really well. Unfortunately, both Charleston games, you came up a bit short. What is the difference, right? Like, can you tell what the difference is between – you know, being competitive, being right in there, and making sure you get the job done if you get that extra opportunity this week? Um, Just, you know, Charleston played very hard. We played very hard, but it was kind of simple that last game. I mean, a lot of myself, the free throw line was a big factor in that yeah. game. I mean, they were shooting 80% from the free throw line when I look up, and we were shooting probably 40. And so they came back from the free throw line, I mean, Last the first game we lost in overtime, so I'll be hyped to play a third game to see like where where it goes. I mean, you know, I think the basketball guys will be like, all right, you guys <laughs> playing the third time is hard to be. It's hard to beat. It's hard to beat a team a third time. You know, they well coach, we well coach. I'm I'm ready to do it on a neutral court. I mean, there's no better place to play basketball on a neutral court. Right. Um. So, yeah, I feel like that would be a good one. To the point, obviously, about free throws. You guys were a free throw away from beating him the first time, obviously. Yeah, so. it was a free throw. It was, it was both free throw lines. So, I mean. You, now, here's the real question. Did you guys, like, do you obsess over it when you have a night like that, like, like last Thursday? Do you guys get back on Saturday you know, on Sunday and just, like, shoot, like, a 1,000 free throws or something like that? How does that work? Um, 
right now, I mean, the, the guys who don't shoot free, good free throws right now, it's kind of like mandatory. It's kind of like <laughs> you step in, you step in, like like me. I go to the free throw line a lot. It's kind of like when I step into practice, I shoot free throws. When I step out of practice, we shoot free throws. I mean, Charles, he gets fouled a lot. Most oh, of the guys that get fouled a lot, yeah. you know. I mean, they don't, they don't pressure Nick to go shoot free throws because Nick shoots probably 80% on the <laughs> right, free throw line. Right. But, like, um, yeah, it's it's pressure, you know, like, because, like, that's that's the game. I mean, we can't – you miss two free throws, they come the other way, it's equivalent to a turnover. So, yeah, we're Nick... working on it right now. I mean, we got got the Sunday to keep working on them. I mean, we're going to go in in a few minutes to go work on them. So, I mean, it's more mentally. And when you think about it, I feel like that's when we kind of get up time to miss. But – I feel like we'll be fine in D.C. and make the free throws when they count. I'm convinced that Nick would shoot, you know, 80% from 40 feet at this point. Like, my God, that dude's range is nuts. Yeah, he, yeah um, he was at practice the other day. I look over at Charles. I said he might be playing the best basketball in his life. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy, man. Like, I whispered it to Charles and just looked at him because he made a shot, and it was like, whoa. I look <laughs> at Nick. I look at Charles and he might be playing the best basketball in his life. That's wild, man. That's really wild. Uh, Cam, I saw you put your acting chops to the test this week, trying to get some folks to come down to uh, to D.C. and mm-hmm. support you guys. You feel like maybe there's a career. You know, obviously you're going to keep pursuing basketball. Like, perhaps there's also a career in acting that could be headed your way at some point? Um, that's something I love to pursue, you know. You know, it was a good little, um, good little snippet of what I could do. Hopefully yeah, right? if the ball stops, you know. If the ball stops after next year, you know, maybe I can get into <laughs> acting or something like that, you know. Or I can put me on a little Netflix show or something like that. But, you know, my internship, you know, shout out to those guys. Those guys put that together. Uh, we'll shoot for, like, the old little ESPN clips with the athletes. Yeah, the Sports Center clips. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, so have you, you've been interning, like, in the, in the marketing office? Yeah, correct. That's awesome, man. Tell me about that. Why was that something that you wanted to do? Um, You know, I always wanted to do something with the athletes, you know. When the ball stops, so those guys are big on like athletic department, seeing like how ticket sales work. You know, how can we advertise? You know, every athletic program around Towson. You know, coming up with different ideas. You know, calling fans, season ticket holders. You know, it's kind of cool. You're a season ticket holder, and one of the all conference players calling you just yeah. to thank you for like buying tickets. It makes people feel like, man, they really care about you. you know? That's really cool, so, man. That's really cool. Yeah. Dude. So like. So, like, that's kind of what I do there. You know, I, I love it. You know, it's kind of like, everybody be like, man, my internship sucks, but my internship is actually fun. <laughs> it's great people I work with. <laughs> like, it's great people I work with. I get to mess around with other sports. Like, the other day I was throwing a lacrosse ball in the office. I'm like, man, like, I ain't never picked up a lacrosse. I ain't never played lacrosse in my life. Like, so, you, wait, you know, now, wait a second. It, you're not thinking about telling Coach Nadlin you could still walk on here at the end, right? Like you're not trying to. Yeah, to, I kind of called him out on Instagram and see if they need another spot. I never got contact. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's all right though. I mean, it might have been the difference. Right. They lost in overtime last night. They needed you. Out there. I was there. I, I was in the cold. Man, Loyola. I was. There. It was a hell of a game though. Hell of a game last night, man. What a what a. Dude, whenever those two, whenever those guys get together, it's always a damn good game. Last night, Loyola gets them in overtime. Um, yeah, I was front row screaming. Cam, Cam, can you give me an idea of what it would mean to you? Like, can you, I? I don't want to project too much, but what would it mean to mm-hmm. you to to be responsible for ending what is now, you know, a three decade drought for Towson getting to the NCAA tournament? Can you know? Obviously, it'd be exciting for you. But to do it for this entire community, and you know, you know, now you're calling fans and you're talking to them. Can you put into words what it would mean to you 
to be part of the team that did that? Um, this how much you're meaning to me. Um, I got I've been playing for five years now. I've been probably first or second team every time I play. I mean, I don't care about an individual accolade. I don't care. I, the first team, the all conference team haven't even came out yet, and I don't even care if I don't make it. Getting talented to the NCAA tournament is my goal. I mean, it could be the goal where, like, we go to the NCAA tournament, and if my body can't even take on to play the game in the NCAA tournament, mm. I'll still be happy. Mm. So, but, like, that's how much it means to me. I just want to do it for the people, you know, just the people here, because I hear a lot of stuff like they ain't going to make it. It's the same strip, same story, always, same guys, never work. I mean, I'm trying to break it, and I got one life to do it. I mean, it's my last life here, so, like, you know, so it's kind of like it's a lot more pressure because I know I can't come back and be like, oh, we got we got next year to try to get right, it's right. Like, no, nah, this is this is the last shot. Like it's the last life. So like, you know, coming into practice every day, making sure everything's sharp and making sure I could be the best camp I could be. You know, making sure everybody confident and just honestly just play basketball. That's all we come down to. Not I, to I, I saw your channel. Yeah, I saw you're channeling your inner Lamar Jackson too, right? That no matter the circumstances, never crack, just relax. Like you just gotta. Just, right, just be you, right? Like that's all you can do. In right, and I'm trying, to, I'm trying to persuade Lamar Jackson to go to the Falcons. So, oh no, no, Georgia, so. no, no, Cam, we like <laughs> so you, that's bro. Why I'm a big... <laughs> no, 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 no. We're gonna need that to stop immediately, bro. <laughs> <laughs> we need him. We need him. No, no, no. We, we need him. We need him. We need him. <laughs> we We're willing to pay whatever. Oh, I don't want to so hear I'm that. Talking... I don't want to hear that, bro. We need him here, man. That is not all right. I tell you what. I tell you what. If you guys win, nope, nope. I'm not even gonna give you that. I hope you win the CAA tournament, <laughs> but no, no, I'm not giving you Lamar Jackson. That's not all right, man. Um, we need him. I, I know it's at Cam Holden fifty on Twitter. What about on Instagram? Where can everybody be giving you a follow? Uh, you can follow me at Slim V Slim V M C S L V. M.C. on Instagram. All right, I'm going to need an explanation, but we'll have to do it another day. We'll have to pick another (laughs) day for that. Uh, Cam Holden, uh, great catching up with you, dude. I I love, my kids love coming out and watching you guys play. Um, It's been a joy these last couple of years to see you do it. Maybe we'd be celebrating next week and getting ready for the NCAA tournament. Thank you for taking the time for us. Hey, thank you, and I hope we do be celebrating. No when I come back with a trophy, it's going to be it's going to be a party in town. I need you. I need you. I you guys come back with a trophy. I need you to bring it over here to the studio one day next week. All right, that's the way it's going to have to. We're going to make that happen. All right. That's the problem. Love you, bro. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for taking the time. Appreciate you. You have a good one. Cam Holden with us here on GCR, getting ready for the CAA tournament. Boy, it would be uh, boy, it'd be really exciting for them to uh, break through and end that drought and get back to the NCAA tournament. That would be outstanding. Great dude. Really enjoyed that conversation. That was a lot of fun. All right. Uh, still to come this morning, we're going to talk more Ravens, more Lamar Jackson. Our buddy Jake Luke, now with Exit 52, is going to join us. Get into a couple of other stories. We didn't get to talk about Jalen Carter yesterday. Obviously a major story within the football world, and it's a very difficult one to talk about because there are multiple layers of context to it. But we'll do our best to have that conversation. Today's show also brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com slash offers, where baseball betting is here, and you can get the best offers for your baseball bets right now, including 
betting $5 with DraftKings and getting $200 in instant bonus bets along with other great incentives and promos when you sign up at PressBoxOnline.com offers. Baseball futures bets, season specials, player award bets are already live in Maryland. So go to PressBoxOnline.com offers now for your shot at winning big. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to BirdlandSports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com That first sip That first bite Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers started over $60,000 and over $64,000 for lateral officers with $10,000 signing bonuses available. Plus, cadets started over $32,000. Great benefits are available like medical, dental, and vision insurance, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days per calendar year with no limit, career advancement to more than 20 specialized units, and more with further incentives for military service members and veterans. A passion for service, a career for life, with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license and a high school diploma or GED equivalent. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grinder. Not that I know what's on Grinder or anything, I swear. Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. I think you might protest too much. Speaking about uh, Towson, Pete Shinnick, new Towson football coach, will join Stan the Fan Charles and Gary Stein tonight on Facebook Live if you want to join them to hear 
for the new head coach. 7 o'clock this evening, facebook.com slash pressboxsports. If you miss it, you can see it tomorrow, youtube.com slash pressboxonline or pressboxonline.com slash video. Stan the Fan, Gary Stein, and new Towson football coach Pete Shinnick getting together for a chat tonight. And if you missed it early in the week, Stan and Ross Grimsley caught up with the great Rick Dempsey. You can find that in the same locations right now. Thursday edition of GCR. We're going to talk with uh, our buddy Jake Luke here in a couple of minutes. Um, the Jalen Carter story is very difficult. I had someone message me during the show yesterday and be like, hey, well, you think this could be any chance that he falls to the Ravens? I, I understand, like, this is the way we think. This is the way we operate. This is what we do. I mean, this is just kind of who we are as humans, is we think this way. We think about the football impacts of things. I am uncomfortable even exploring that. I I get why we're doing it, but what's at stake here is so much more significant than that. I'm glad that I'm not a, a football within a football organization. It's their job. Right now, the Baltimore Ravens have to think about what they can take, what they can learn from this tragedy. It's First of all, it, it is quite weird that we're almost two months later and only finding out about it now, right? Like, that's, that's strange. So if you're not aware, Jalen Carter, considered a top-five prospect, one of the best players in the NFL draft, has been charged with reckless driving and racing in the crash that killed two people, including one of his teammates at Georgia, um, Devin Willick, and a staffer for the Georgia football team. Obviously, he was in a separate car, but we're learning that they were racing, and because of that, two people died. Now, what do you do with that? The first thing is, well, there's criminal charges. I, I don't know exactly how that works. I don't know enough about this. This is not as... There's some things that are black and white, right? Like, it's black and white to me that if you hit a woman, I don't want you on my football team. I don't care. Whenever you guys would talk about, you know, Tyreek Hill and the inequity, I, I was not interested. I don't ever... I would rather be the team that says we have a line that we're not willing to cross. Now, part of that is me, you know... Being an adult, part of that is me being a parent. Part of that is me, you know, just getting to a place in my life where I understand that football isn't everything. And it's not about trying to create some sort of moral high ground as much as it's just about saying, I don't want my team to be the team that does that. I don't want my team that I root for to be the team that tries to take advantage of the rest of the NFL by being willing to employ people that do heinous things. Sexual assault, violence against women. The two that, to me, not hard. That's my line. If you guys have listened to the show, you've heard me talk about it so many times that I don't need to explain it much more. But if you're new, I'll never waver on that. It's not that people don't deserve second opportunities in society once they've paid their price or paid their... I just don't want my team to be the one that does it. When everybody would clamor about Antonio Brown, I would remind you, he openly admitted in a text message that he had sexually assaulted a woman. I don't care that he was crazy. I don't care that all those things I can, I can deal with a lot of things. 
I've never had a problem with somebody's personality. If you can make it work, make it work. I mean, hell, Tom Brady won a Super Bowl with Antonio Brown. But that part, I'll never see past. I'll never see past. I blank my blank on your back while you were asleep. Bragging about the sexual assault that he had committed. Never, ever, ever will I be willing to see past that. I don't know what to do with this. It is really weird that it, since it came out two months later, like, is there any chance Georgia maybe knew and they were trying to, I don't know, help, like, since they knew he was a top five pick, they yeah, wanted I mean, to try to... It does to, seem like one of those things where, like, ooh, we didn't want we didn't want that kind of press so close to our pl- Yeah, post-season. having won a national championship. Yeah. I don't I don't know, but, I, like, how does Georgia have control over it, right? Like, right. it's a police yeah. investigation. It didn't... It's not something that occurred within the team. I mean, it is one... Of, it, it depends on yeah, so where it happened. Say that Did it happen in, uh, is Georgia in Macon or, no, it's not in Macon. No, Georgia's in a town called Athens. Athens. And yes, it might yeah. be that the University of Georgia is so powerful within that community yeah. that, you know, they are just capable of, you know, controlling the message. They're con- capable of control. Hey, don't like leave this under, like, you're, you're, look, man, it's not crazy to think Cause, that. Because, I mean, it could be one of those things like, we're going to release the details of, the deceased, but we're going to keep all the other criminal details within. We're not, we're not going to disclose those details this at is, this moment. The difficulty what about this is is finding the way to communicate both exactly how awful this is, and yet that you acknowledge that it's not as simple as Jalen Carter killed two people. It's a very difficult thing to do because no matter what you say, it can sound like you're being unsympathetic to two young humans who are dead. But you also have to acknowledge, you understand there's a difference between, you know, someone actually murdering someone and this scenario. So what do you do with that? I I don't know that answer. I don't. I'm, I'm... sort of admitting to you, I have no idea what you do with that. I would be uncomfortable. I would need this all to play out first before I would be able to have any conversation beyond that. I know that part of the story is you're dealing with young people. I know part of the story is you're dealing with young people for whom like, street racing is kind of part of their culture, which is a problem. I mean, I... It's a problem. We have to deal with that. I don't I don't know what to say. Jalen Carter is a damn good football player. Everyone knows that. But I really don't. I don't know what to do with this. It is a major storyline, obviously, now between now and the NFL draft. It is a massive storyline. I I can't tell you right now that this would make me say, well, I could never draft Jalen Carter. I don't know that I feel that as much as I... I feel like I would like to know a little bit more details. I feel like I'd like to know a little bit more about him. I feel like I'd like to know a little bit more about, like, did he go out racing one night because he was happy about winning the national championship and he's mortified and, like, I... You know what I think of? The scene in uh, Remember the Titans. Sure. After they won the game. Right. It's one of those things where, like, 
obviously they're not planning for this to happen and it happens and it's unfortunate it's awful it's yeah. it's awful or is he someone who races all of the time is utterly reckless with the way that he goes about making his decisions and this was inevitable these things matter in this context the thing that matters the most is two people are dead and it's just awful it's it's awful and it makes you sick to be trying to think about it from a football perspective and it's why i'm glad i'm not the general manager of a football team, and I can have the ability to say, I don't want to have to consider those things. But if I were, I would definitely need to know a lot more about Jalen Carter because, to the point, the things can things can happen one time and truly be awful and not really be the story of someone, or they can be a reflection of exactly what someone's story is. I, I don't know. The, the Ravens, of course, once upon a time uh, employed... Oh God! Why am I blanking on the, the the Dante Stallworth, who you know ended up drinking and driving one night, and a man died because of his actions? Their argument was, look, he, that's not who Dante Stallworth is. It's awful what occurred, but it's not a story of his life. It's a very difficult thing, man. It's very very difficult. And I don't mean to be this heavy and then try to switch to my buddy Jake Luke. Let me see if I can cleanse the palate a little bit. I will tell you. That today's show is uh, brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. hey Wacky fun time! Let's bring in Jake Luke now. It's very awkward to go from talking about a subject that heavy right into our friend Jake. Uh, you, of course, know Jake. Uh, he's been a friend of ours for a long time. He was with Baltimore Beatdown for quite a while. He's got a new home with Exit 52. Jake Luke, what's going on, my friend? How are you? Oh, Glenneth, I'm doing okay, sir. Um, how are you doing? A, a little bit of a heavy transition yeah, no, there, for I'm sure. So, it kind of feels sorry. like I'm, I don't know what I'm walking I'm, into. I'm sorry. No, I mean, like, dude, it's hard. Like, obviously, the Jalen Carter story is, is massive. Like, it's a huge story. It just stinks to have to talk about because it's it's at the end of it, two people are dead. Like, there's just no way of getting around it, right? Like, you get when I get a message, hey, what do you think this means? Could the Ravens end up? Dude, I, I don't even really want to talk about that stuff. I, right now, two people are dead, and it's just awful. Everything about it is really awful, man. So, hey, fun. You got a new podcast. <laughs> Dude, I'm just digging yeah, a big, This makes it so much more difficult. I need something. I need, like, a wacky soundbite or something to move on from this. I need someone to, like, rip a fart in the background so we can comfortably move on to a different topic and not have to deal with this. What a profi- Well, I have my, uh, on my on my soundboard here, which I don't unfortunately have plugged in. I was oh. getting a lot of a lot of mileage out of Al Pacino and Heat uh, with the great ass soundbite. Yeah. Unfortunately, we don't have that to work He's off got of. A great but... ass! I do like that one. Yep, that exactly. one's a really yep. good all right. Um, d- d- give me the whole background. Uh, tell me the whole story. You guys were cruising along. Uh, you had built up a nice audience, a nice following with Baltimore Beatdown. All of a sudden, you're looking for a new home. It becomes Exit 52. Give me the whole story. Yeah, basically, it was uh, pretty much exactly as you described it. We were just kind of humming along, and uh, you know, news starts to trickle out that Vox Media is slashing podcasting across the board. We weren't really sure if it was going to be uh, affecting us. Long story short, it did. Uh, we had the option to maybe stay. We had other options that we uh, were, uh, I think, going to be, you know, beholden to. But ultimately, it came down to the fact that our buddy Brian Black, who you might know as uh, Barstool Banks, reached out pretty much immediately as the news came public and said, hey, what do you guys think about teaming up? You know, and it, it just felt like a perfect match. We've been friends for a couple of years now, not only with Brian, but 
with Eric and Taylor too, uh, that's Barstool RDT for some of you, and uh, Taylor Smythe, who is in the uh, social media department down with the Terps uh, at Maryland. So, yeah, just similar sensibilities. I think, uh, you know, young, smart, but don't take ourselves too seriously is sort of the way I describe it. And uh, it feels like a perfect match from that standpoint. So uh, off we go. So how does this work? Are you guys podcasting together or like you guys are going to do your separate podcasts and just host them together? Yeah, basically it's going to be kind of similar to what it's always been like. So we're going to have the main flagship show with the three of those guys as they've been doing it for the last couple of years. Uh, and then we're going to uh, continue with me and Spencer uh, doing our, you know, two-man weave type deal. But it's going to be on the same RSS feed, and we are going to be cross-pollinating the, the two different groupings a good amount as well. So it's going to be kind of a mishmash of everything, and I think we're going to kind of figure things out as we go along as well, which is uh, pretty fun and um, exciting, I think. And, and, and this is a dumb question today. What do you what do you call the podcast now moving forward? Is like, I, 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 Do you need a new name? No, I think we're just going to go with uh, XF52 Podcast, and it's just going to be sort of the, the Jake and Spenny hour to okay. an extent. And, okay. uh, yeah, like I said, it's still kind of we're building the plane while it's getting off the ground a little bit, but we got a new website, uh, the XF52Podcast.com, which is going to have a blog on there. We're, we got some plans to delve into video content, too, and, uh, yeah, it's just an exciting time for us because you mentioned that we were with Baltimore V-Town, which is really awesome. Still love all the guys there, but that was kind of just covering Ravens, and I think we did a good job of that for four years, but now we get to get into a little bit more – Oriole stuff, some Terp stuff, some Baltimore lifestyle stuff. It's just uh, an exciting time for us. Very so. good. Very good. Again, Exit 50. So make sure that we have all the, like, where, what people should be subscribed to the Exit 52 podcast, wherever it is they get their podcasts, and they'll get your shows through that feed. Yes, exactly. There and you go. can get us on YouTube as well. We're making that switch over. Um, it's going to be a lot more streamlined in that regard. You can, like I said, check out the website. And uh, check us out on Twitter at the Exit Fifty Two Podcast and Instagram is Exit Fifty Two Podcast. We're just going to be pushing everything and trying to uh, trying to grow things moving forward. Here. All right, now let's scream and yell about Lamar Jackson because that's a lot of fun. Uh, it's a new thing that nobody's done recently, so let's get into that. Jake Luke is with with us now with Exit Fifty Two. Um, you and I had a conversation yesterday on Twitter. I I I I don't. I'm really struggling with the. Um, and I don't know where it started. I don't know who's specifically doing it. I I feel like there is some world in which we are treating Lamar Jackson like he is some sort of pawn in a game. And I don't know where that came from or why we believe it. Uh, when we forget, Lamar Jackson's an adult. Lamar Jackson gets to make his own decisions. He, at any point, he is not, in the same way that no other quarterback has been beholden to just doing the bidding of the NFLPA, he is not beholden to doing the bidding of the NFLPA. Whatever he's fighting for, he's on board for the fight. He's chosen to do it. I, I don't get why it is that it's being portrayed as if Lamar Jackson is some sort of victim in a, a fight that the NFLPA is trying to have right now. Yeah, for me, the way I look at it is, I don't know if it's that way, but I do think the NFLPA sees this as an opportunity, right? I think they see his mindset of, this is what I feel like I'm worth. I'm just going to stick to my number and not move off of it. And that is a fully guaranteed contract. And you're going to give it to me or somebody else's. I think the NFL PA sees that and says, we want all of our constituents to think that way. We want all of these guys to be like this guy. So we're going to get behind him and we're going to do what we need to do to try and make sure this thing happens. So I think in my phrasing of the tweet yesterday, maybe I could have been a little bit clearer on that, but that's kind of the way that I think I see it. And you mentioned that you're a pro union guy. I certainly am as well, but Glenn, we've both seen season two of The Wire, man. Even unions in a capitalistic society like this, they can get a little opportunistic in their in their own way as well. So it's just a very complicated sort of mess of a situation. 
that somehow keeps getting more and more tangled the more we move forward here. So that part, you know, is it's it's obviously quite complicated. I don't know. Th- this is the weird part to me, Jake. I'm not really sure how complicated this one is. Like, I, I think it can be reasonably deduced based on the track record of quarterbacks that hit the open market that Lamar Jackson could say to himself, no matter who his representation is, if I hit the open market, this is available for me. Um, I think that there's one team that jumps out significantly as being the exact team that would be likely to do something like this and be likely to pay Lamar Jackson whatever it is that he wanted. To me, that's the Atlanta Falcons, and I have been told that they are obsessed with the idea of Lamar Jackson being a Falcon. It makes all the sense in the world. Culturally, it makes all the sense in the world, given they were the team that had Michael Vick, that they are, you know, the, the half-empty stadium when they're irrelevant, and yet when they were electric, they were electric. That even if it didn't work from a football perspective, it would work from a business perspective. If I'm Lamar Jackson and I know that's out there, I, I don't really care what it is that Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson did. I I know what I think my value is worth. Either you think that that's what my value is worth or not. Like, I... That's the part that I really struggle with. At some point, Jake, like if the Ravens are trying to run out the clock or, or like hoping that he's going to waver, I think that at this point we know enough to know Lamar Jackson kind of just for whatever reason doesn't care about that stuff, and it's sort of on you to decide if you want to do that or not. Yeah, and I think the you in this situation is the important factor to consider. I don't think you in this situation is John Harbaugh. I, I don't think I you agree. in this situation is Eric DaCosta. Agreed. I think that it's one man. It's Steve Bashotti. And does Steve Bashotti want to be the guy that breaks and follows Jimmy Haslam uh, into the void of uh, doing whatever he did for Deshaun Watson? Maybe not. But to your point, maybe Arthur Blank does want to be that guy. And uh, that's sort of the interesting factor here to me. And I, I don't have any answers. I don't have any certainty one way or the other on how it's going to play out. But it does seem that Lamar is dug in. To your point, I don't think he's a victim here at all. But I do think that there's a lot of people, uh, a lot of people that are very interested, including other NFL owners and including the NFLPA, uh, to see what happens. Here. No, there's no doubt that all that's true. Jake Luke is with us now with Exit 52. Jake, I, I, I think the tricky part for me becomes I'm willing to listen. You know, if we can accept all of those things as being true, one, some of the problems that I've had in this process is when people have said, "Well, you know, if uh, just because one team did it doesn't mean that another one will." Well, like, look around the league. Half of the league doesn't have a quarterback. We've I. I don't know that we've ever seen a more in the in the era at which we've gotten to the point where you have to have a quarterback to win. There was a time three years ago where you could make an argument that almost every team had a quarterback on the roster before you know that older group of guys started retiring that either definitively was a franchise quarterback or could become their franchise quarterback. At this point, we're talking about half of the league feeling inadequate at the quarterback position for their opportunities of winning. The tangible value of a quarterback has never been higher in football. You can't win without one of these guys. Now, the opinion that exists is, well, I like my chances of trying to find another one and, and having more money to spend in the process. I think that I can find one that could be really good within two years and have another chance. And I'll listen to, I don't agree, I'll listen to that argument, but it's the only, I, I just, it's very difficult for me to fathom taking a defense that appears to be built to win right now and saying, okay, let's see if we can't roll the dice and discover another quarterback in the next year or two. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's why I think that if he is gone, I think they might look the veteran route. I don't know if it's going to be a Derek Carr or if he's already going to be decided by the time that uh, Lamar is out of town on where he's going to go or who it might be, but 
you're right, man. This roster is ready-made. I think they're ready to go. you got to make some moves at wide receiver like they always freaking do. Yeah. Uh, but outside of that, man, they're, they're, they're locked and loaded. And uh, it does feel like it's just such a brutal time that uh, – or a brutal timing that he might be on his way out because, man, it really feels like, you know, this could have been a year that they could have done something special with the way that things are breaking now. Um, but, I mean, business gets in the way sometimes, and that seems to be what's happening here. So, I don't know, man. Like, getting rid of him is a scary proposition, but he also went directly from Joe Flacco to him. And then it just feels to me like the quarterbacks are more easily found in the draft than they were even 10 years ago at this point. And the idea that maybe they could pick a guy and groom him into being something as good as uh, what Lamar is, it's not that crazy. Maybe not as good as Lamar, but something close to that, a close facsimile of that. And I don't know, for as great as Lamar is, I mean – are you trying to win a Super Bowl? Because he's won one playoff game for you. So that's another factor to consider here, too. I mean, as much as this guy is special and I want to keep him around, that is sort of the continued glaring elephant in the room, as is his uh, health issues that he's had here the last couple of years. So, man, I, I just keep saying it's messy and, like, I don't know what's going to happen. It, it just feels like as an analyst that's kind of a cop-out, but that's kind of where I'm at with all of it. I, I'm, I'm struggling with a couple things there, Jake. I Like, do you really think that this team could beat Patrick Mahomes if Derek Carr was their quarterback next season? I don't know. I mean, I think Derek Carr has beaten Patrick Mahomes before, correct? Once, in like eight tries. Hey, so did Lamar. So, I mean, it's just <laughs> like, I, I don't know, man. Like, that's sort of the, that's the other thing. It's like Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, they're like the new Patriots. But it almost feels like they're even more insurmountable than the Patriots were back in the day. Like, it's just crazy, man. Yeah, like, they have the most talented... all these obstacles. Like that to me is the difficult part about it. Like I think you have to have dynamic. I thought we, I think we saw that in the in the battles that, um, you know, that Lamar Jackson did have against Patrick Mahomes. You have to have dynamic. You have to have someone who's a capable of, of capable of doing something magical. Like you, the the margin for error in beating them is so small. I, man, I I'm not I'm not trying. It feels like when I have conversation about Derek Carr, I treat him like he's you know Kyle Bowler, and that's not fair, right? Like Derek Carr is a qualified. NFL quarterback, but I don't see in any world, and obviously part of this is me seeing this year, which was a disaster. I mean, like, you gave him everything, and what'd you have to show for it? Um, maybe there's a chance that this year was just a wild anomaly and you can get something back, but you're talking about beating these teams in this loaded quarterback group. I think you have to have truly dynamic in order to be able to do those things. I'm really hard-pressed to believe that you could just roll Derek Carr out there and hope for the best, trying to run through a gauntlet of the best quarterbacks in the NFL in the playoffs. No, I've made the same point, too, on our podcast going back years at this point, where you got to have an alien at quarterback these days. Like, kids today, they didn't just grow up watching Tom Brady and Peyton Manning sitting in the pocket back there. These guys right. grew up watching Aaron Rodgers. They grew up watching, you know, Michael Vick if they're a little bit older. But then you look at the 2010s, the mobile quarterback kind of became a, a new thing, a new phenomenon. Kids that are coming up in the draft now, probably we're watching Lamar Jackson. Like it is, the position has completely changed. And I think you're right. Like if you really do want to have a high ceiling, you've got to have a, an alien quarterback like a Jackson, like a Patrick Mahomes, like a Justin Herbert, like a Josh Allen. Like it just feels like you're not reaching your full ceiling as an organization if you don't have one. And unfortunately they don't grow on trees, but it seems like they're becoming more common than they were. Like I said, even 10 years ago. So I don't know, man, if you got one, you, you hopefully can keep one. I'm hoping that's what happens here in Baltimore, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I don't. I'm, I'm boy. I'm, I'm, I'm. I am very much a. It's either Lamar Jackson or you draft your quarterback. Like I, 
to me, it's a it's a ninety nine percent. It's Lamar Jackson, but if for whatever reason it has to be something else, it is you draft a quarterback and you try to find your next Lamar Jackson, and then we can get into the conversation about well, are you going to pay that guy? Like that's a whole different thing. But I just I I I can't do the the stopgap thing. I think doing the stopgap thing is how you guarantee that you'll just be good enough to not be good enough. But Glenn, Glenn, they won a Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer. For God's okay? sakes! For God's sakes, Jake! <laughs> The number of times that I have to do. By the way, it was brought up to me yesterday. Like that might be one of the issues that is that Steve Bashotti is facing. Is he's saying to himself, like, dude, I won Super Bowls with Trent Dilfer and Joe Flacco. Like, I don't feel like I have to pay fifty million dollars in guaranteed money, and yet we all have to be willing to step back and recognize, like, that it don't work that way no more. Like, it's not an option to do it that way. We see the way the wind is blowing currently in football. Maybe at some point in 10 years it'll blow the other way. I'd be very surprised. I think the NFL wants to make sure that it's not going to happen. They want to ban any legal way to tackle a player in the course of the next couple of years. Like, this is what it takes now to win in the NFL. And I mean, how did they, how did they win a Super Bowl with Joe Flacco? They were throwing it all yes, over the Yes, be- because he played it. like a dynamic quarterback. Exactly right. <laughs> he played yeah, for— it's, it's, it's crazy, man. I, I'm I am really it's I'm really struggling with the the idea that this isn't the way that it works. And the other part of it is the people that bring up the dumb number about well, you know, you can't win it. Patrick Mahomes is the anomaly. He's the only guy that's ever won a Super Bowl with twenty percent of the cap. Like, dude, you're ignore you're you're taking a number that means nothing because Tom Brady happened to be kind to the New England Patriots and say, hey, if you give my charity a bunch of money, I'll play for less money because my wife is a billionaire. And you're you're suggesting that that means you shouldn't sign your quarterback because of it. You, we've been so screwed up by what Tom Brady did for the teams that he played for that we believe there's some sort of factuality to the idea that if you pay your quarterback, you can't win the Super Bowl. It, the number is nonsense. It is a it is the dumbest stat that exists in all of football because we have no ability to look at the context of if Tom Brady had just been paid market value. Half of the last Super Bowls would have been won by quarterbacks that were making that number. Like, it's, we're so screwed up in the way that we look at things that we convince ourselves you can't do it once you pay your quarterback a certain amount of money. So you're a connected guy. I'm sure you've heard uh, the rumblings that the dialogue has been pretty quiet, to put it kindly, the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. What is it going to take to get these two parties back to the table, in your estimation? <sighs> I mean, I that's it's a it's a fair question, Jake. I I would say what it would take would be recognizing open market value. Like I think that's the part that's still still missing here. The part that's missing is understandably the Ravens are approaching this like you're not on the open market. You can only negotiate with us, and we have the trump card. We're gonna you're gonna have to come to us. Whereas I think it's abundantly clear at this point that Lamar Jackson is saying. No, I'm negotiating against the open market, whether I'm on the open market or not. And we all scoffed a couple years ago, at, and it, because it's lock and four, we all scoffed at the idea of Jason putting out there, what if Lamar were to just wait out two tags and get the free agency? Well, we're here now. I, I don't even know that the Ravens could afford a second tag at this point. Like, I, It's almost absurd to think about that, that paying somebody, the, the number that would be 120% is astronomical for a one-year hit on the cap. To do what? To play chicken with someone? To try to force their hand to pretend like we've got control over you? I think at some point the Ravens, and to you, if you want to say it, Steve Bishotti, have to recognize Lamar, whoever's working with him, whether it's him personally, the NFLPA, they're saying you have to negotiate against the open market or we're not doing this. 
And if the Ravens don't want to do that, then they're going to have to let Lamar Jackson find out about the open market. I I just don't think this is changing. I don't think anything is budging until the Ravens acknowledge the open market is astronomical for a quarterback. It doesn't happen. And everyone that sees what happened with Deshaun Watson last year knows that only happens if he's on the open market. The Browns lost. Because they lost, they had to go to where they went to. That's the way that it works on the open market. The open market is un it, it, there is an uncapped number to what you can get as a quarterback. And I think that right now, everyone is still trying to pretend like, well, that's not real. But Lamar Jackson, for whatever reason, is telling you, no, that's real. I'm willing to wait this thing out as long as it takes to get paid like I'm on the open market. Yeah, and, and Jason's report from, what was that, over a year ago at this point? Like, he, he made the point that ago. this is not, you know, just some kid that's being led around by, you know, whatever party people are the NFLPA. He's very intentional in his, in his movements here. He wants to maybe... Go that Kirk Cousins route, and it feels like we're uh, as much as people, sometimes myself included, want to clown on the sourcing of that report. Feels like we're watching that play out right now, and uh, it's not uh, not a fun place to be in as a fan because it feels like the best case scenario at this point is you're going to have him play on the franchise tag for another year and sit in another year of limbo like you did last year, and you're basically banking on everything breaking right. You're banking on being able to fix certain positions without a lot of cap space. You're banking on him staying healthy, which he hasn't been able to do the last couple of years, and then you're banking on that uh, to all lead to him somehow taking you to the Super Bowl, which he hasn't even been close to in the best of seasons. So it's just, uh, oh, man, it's uh, it's not a fun time to be a Ravens fan let me, right let me, let me, When you bring that part up, do you think that's Lamar Jackson? Do you think that's on Lamar Jackson, that the Ravens haven't been to a Super Bowl? No, not at all, but he's a part of it, right? It, he's a part. It's a very difficult thing for me, right? Like, is it Dan Marino's fault that Dan Marino never won a Super Bowl? I, I, I've had a, a lot. Our, my friend Kevin Van Valkenburg, who's now with No Laying Up, he and I have talked about this privately. Like, how do you handle that? Because I get why the Ravens want it to matter in negotiating. Like, the, the, there's lots of things that you want to matter in negotiating. The question, again, becomes, on the flip side, like, do you think that? Do you genuinely, heart of hearts, think that Lamar Jackson is the problem as to why it is that you haven't made a Super Bowl? And I, personally, I would go the exact opposite route. I, I think it's miraculous that the Ravens were in it during the course of these years. I don't think these were loaded rosters with world-class players all over the football field. I, I think that they had a really good tight end. Not the best tight end in football, but a really good tight end. I think they've had other players that were fairly high-level but I don't think this is like we're not talking about a roster that's loaded with Hall of Famers. I think it's miraculous they were in the conversation and they were only in it because of Lamar Jackson. I think trying to hold it against him that he didn't get to a Super Bowl is kind of purpose defeating. They didn't do much on offense at all, and yet somehow they managed to be in the mix to have a chance despite it. That's the way that I view the value of Lamar Jackson. Yeah, and I think they might do it, though, because they might say, hey, your, your bottom line is I'm worth this. Well, hey, you haven't done this. And it's just like when you get to like this bottom line, like it's this or nothing, then you can kind of play that card in the other direction, and maybe that's what they're doing. I don't really know. It would kind of surprise me if they did, because like, like you said, I think they can look at it from a more nuanced perspective, and I'd expect that they will, but I don't know, man. That's just another piece of it, right? It's another piece of it. I think it matters in our conversations, right? Because I think it goes back to the opinion that can be had. Like, I, I'm not moving on from Lamar Jackson because I don't think we're recognizing how impossible it is what he's done here. Like, I don't think we're doing, I don't think we're, I think we're doing a disservice by pretending like another quarterback could just walk into this situation and be fine. 
Um, yes, you know, you could, if, if this is the year where by getting cheaper at quarterback, you could add two more wide receivers and make this a more competent offense. I, I hear the argument that can be made. But what Lamar Jackson has done to me is a miracle. It's a miracle that they've even been in the situations that they've been in with like one wide receiver on the field. And I think that that matters in why it is that I would rather break the bank than go searching for another quarterback and hoping that I can make it work in the process. Jake, I we're going to continue. Yeah, and for me, yeah, it's like I and sorry, sorry, one more thing, but it's yeah. just like that's for me for as much devil's advocate as I've been playing, like this is an offseason where they're going to have to look in the mirror for a good long time and think about what they've been doing at this wide receiver position, like you and I talk about every time we talk, and think about some other things, like some reports that have come out about their strength training staff recently, which, yes, yes. they made a move to correct that, but yes. it was not a moment too soon, man, because some bad things are being said. Like, you know, as much as I, you know, I'm a company guy and I'll root for the Ravens no matter what, they've, they've handled some things pretty poorly here uh, along the way, and I, I hope to see them rectified with or without Lamar in the picture long term, and I hope he is in the picture long term. At Jake Luke, that's L-O-U-Q-U-E, at Jake Luke on Twitter. And again, Exit 52 Podcast. And, and remind me, what it, the, is the website just Exit52Podcast.com? Uh, the Exit 52 Podcast. The Exit 52 yep. Give him a follow there. Jake, always appreciate it, man. We'll talk again soon. Thanks for hopping on this morning. Glenn, you the man. Thanks. Jake Luke with us here on GCR. Gambling can be fun, but you should set a limit and stay within it. Remember that if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 for free confidential services or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. I, I do think that this matters in the context, and I do. Because like, if, if I say, if we can all accept, I was, I was going back and forth with somebody about this yesterday. I'm trying to remember who it was. Um, I think it was my, my buddy Rob from uh, Russell Street Report, where I said, you know, it's established why it is. If we can all get to the point where we can establish why it is that Lamar Jackson is worth the money that he's seeking, then we can have a merited debate about whether or not the Ravens should do it. If you want to say, I don't believe that you can do this and succeed, we're going to disagree. I don't know that you can do it and succeed to the point of winning a Super Bowl because it's very hard to win a Super Bowl. Only one team gets to win them, and right now one team has the greatest unicorn in the history of the sport. It's going to be difficult for anyone else to win a Super Bowl and break through. I can debate the point if we establish Lamar Jackson's value. I can have the debate. The reason why I side on, no, you have to do it this way, is because my belief is that the Ravens weren't good enough to win with Lamar Jackson. He elevated them to that point. All you have to do is look at where they were before and after the injury the last two years. They were the number one seed To be fair, if presumably in a scenario you're moving on from Lamar Jackson, you have something better than Tyler Huntley to line up yes. at quarterback. Like I need to be fair about that. That when we say those things, it's not that it isn't true. It just again lacks context. The context from someone whose opinion is you don't do this is, well, if you had had someone who was just a little bit better than Tyler Huntley, if you had had a Derek Carr, I think you still could have won games. I think you still right. could have succeeded. You're and, not going to be the number one seed, though. I think that. Well, I don't think there's a chance yeah. in hell. But I would go to the stack of it is my belief you don't have a chance to win a Super Bowl. Again, my opinion about Lamar Jackson is the Ravens put together a good roster. I think they deserve credit for that. I think they put together a good roster. But once upon a time, we looked at the Ravens and we said, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, Terrell Suggs, you know, Marshall Yonda, Jonathan, 
Hall of Famers in their prime. Tell me how many Hall of Famers were on the Ravens roster last season. Zero. Their kicker. Yeah. Well, yeah. You yeah, spoke on it with Mark Andrews. I, I was interested and I looked at some of their weapons the last couple of years. Just absolutely horrible. Um, like horrible. No. Horrible. Yes, yeah, so it's specifically a wide receiver. Specifically embarrassing. We got a Hollywood wide Brown, yes. Willie Sneed, Des Bryant. Yes. Guys um, whose careers were over. You know, yeah, they, they did all of those things. Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun guy, Jackson. Yeah. Like they did plenty of that. It's They didn't put together a championship caliber roster, they put together a fairly competitive roster that had good players on it. Like, I don't want to take anything away from Marlon Humphrey. I think, you know, Roquan Smith, if all positions were created equal, is the most talented player they brought in, is the best football player that they've had in the Lamar Jackson era outside of Lamar Jackson. Now, I get, maybe that's unfair to Ronnie Stanley when Ronnie Stanley's healthy. When Ronnie Stanley's healthy, he's, he's of that caliber. But none of, we're not, these aren't Hall of Fame players that we're talking about. These are good football players. Calais Campbell yeah, is at the tail end of his you guys career. Ran Calais. Right, yeah. like maybe he'll end up. It's still very difficult for a player without those stats. Justin Houston's stats are remarkable. It might be that his numbers alone will get him to the Hall of Fame at some point if he keeps playing. But n- not a Hall of Fame caliber player in his prime when he arrived in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. That's not what they've done here. They've put together a good roster that has been lifted by having the presence of an otherworldly talented quarterback. So that's my opinion about the Ravens. If you don't have that otherworldly talented quarterback, there's no prayer. They're probably, um, the way I look at it is like, if you stick Joe Flacco in the prime of his career in the last five years, they're probably about a 500 football team. 500, yeah. That would be my gut, is they're about a 500 football team. Joe Flacco obviously needed to have two really good wide receivers in order to have the best play of his football career. I, the argument that's made is, well, you can't get the rest of the roster better if you're continuing to sink money at quarterback, but I keep looking at it as a backwards way of looking at things. If you make the rest of the roster better and you lure yourself at quarterback, it's irrelevant. You're, you're the Jets. You're insert name of team here. You, you can't, Swing that pendulum enough. You have to have the quarterback. You've got to have it. You also have to figure out a way to improve your roster. Draft better. Draft better is the answer. Once you pay the quarter, it's not hard to figure out. Once you pay the quarterback, you have to draft better. Everybody can rail about Joe Flacco's contract all they want. We can go through this a billion times. The story of what happened to the Ravens wasn't Joe Flacco's contract. It was that they s the bed in drafting. Drafting. They completely crapped the bed. They tanked the worst stretch of drafting of their franchise's history. Matt Elam, Terrence Brooks, Arthur Brown, nothing. They went from drafting Hall of Famers regularly to drafting guys that weren't even football players. Their swings and Brandon Williams was the best thing they had to show for it. No offense. I love Brandon Williams. That's the story. You pay your quarterback, you have to draft. How did it work for Kansas City last year? They paid their quarterback and they did what? They drafted. They drafted really well. Really well. Trent McDuffie looks like a star. Isaiah Pacheco looks like a star. Yeah. 
they drafted now Sky Moore. <laughs> not so but much. going to Pacheco, like the stats don't match it, but his impact. In Everybody that Super saw. Bowl, everyone, everyone saw felt it. it. It everyone was as impactful saw as Tyreek Hill. What Isaiah Pacheco meant to that football team. They drafted really well. That's what it takes. And to the point, yes, if they move on from Lamar Jackson, perhaps they could draft a quarterback that can become the next one. And then if you can both draft your quarterback well and draft other pieces well, look at what you might have. But the story for me of why it's worth it for Lamar Jackson is because when you bring up, well, he hasn't won a Super Bowl, he's only won one playoff game, I think it's a miracle that he's won a playoff game. I think it's a miracle that this team which is not laden with Hall of Fame caliber talent, which is not laden with special, truly special football players. When Marlon Humphrey's at his best, he's been truly special. Not every season has he been truly at his best, right? Like, but when he's been at his best, he's been truly special. Or at least close to it. When Ronnie Stanley's been healthy, he's been on the... the Verge of special. That's it. Mark Andrews is really, really good, good, but we also understand that there's still a difference between Mark Andrews and... Travis Kelsey. Correct. Like, we understand there's a top tier, and then there's the really good tier where Mark Andrews is. And that's not to take a shot at Mark Andrews. I, God bless the fact that Mark Andrews is here, because only one team gets to have Travis Kelsey. But we understand there's a separation between the two. The Ravens have had a Hall of Fame kicker. Awesome. Please make sure he stays here. I'm not trying to run off that guy. But I think it's miraculous that they've been in this position, and I think it's only because of the guy that's been playing quarterback. All right. Uh, when we come back in, we'll get into fighting words. Still to come this hour, really neat story over at uh, Johns Hopkins where both their men's and women's basketball teams are headed to the NCAA tournament. So their coaches are going to join us to tell about the sort of synergy there. So that's all on the way as we continue along a Thursday edition of GCR. I promise we're going to continue along on a Thursday edition of GCR. We're going to clean these things up one of these days. One of these days, we're going to nail it. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Baseball season is finally here, and what better way to celebrate than with some fresh gear from Birdland Sports. As a small business run by O's fans, Birdland Sports offers a great selection of unofficial merchandise, including unique designs like Birds Are Coming tees, player cartoon shirts, and championship prediction designs. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. Get high-quality gear without breaking the bank. So whether you're heading to the ballpark or watching from home, show your love for the birds with Birdland Sports. Visit Birdland Sports sports.com today to browse their collection and gear up for the season let's go o's whether your focus is luxury and comfort convenience and technologically advanced connectivity or sporty performance and aggressive styling we've got the perfect highlander for you check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new highlanders from your local toyota dealer today 
There's something for everyone this February at Laurel Park. Come watch live horse racing every Friday through Sunday and join us on Saturday, February 18th for the Winter Stakes Spectacular featuring six stakes races and $900,000 in purses, including the General George and Barbara Fritchie Stakes. The fun doesn't stop there. Stick around for our Winter Mardi Gras celebration with live music, delicious food and drinks, and a carnival atmosphere. Plus, don't miss out on President's Day holiday racing on Monday, February 20th. Visit laurelpark.com for more info. That's laurelpark.com for more. See you at the track. Another Orioles season is in the books, and the Bataround was there every step of the way as the Birds posted their first winning season in six years. And after promoting two number one overall prospects in Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson, Mike Elias has said it's liftoff from here. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and along with my co-host Zach Goodman, we'll be here every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon all off-season discussing every signing, trade, and waiver claim as we navigate the cold winter months that lead to spring training. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash Pressbox Sports or listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio. And if you miss a show, you can find us anywhere you get your podcast. So tune into the Bat Around with Paul Valley and Zach Goodman every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon, right here at Pressbox Sports. Stan the fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food. 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn over 4100 North Point Boulevard. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? Sean says if Tom Brady had gotten market value, he would have won half as many Super Bowls. I, Sean, I get what you're trying to say, which is the benefit of that was they were able to spread the cap around a little bit. Man, I don't know. If you watch Tom Brady and you really think the difference was the fact that they had more depth at inside linebacker or something like that, I, we're going to have to agree to disagree on that. I, I don't. I think that what mattered was that they had Tom Brady, you know, the most cerebral or accomplished quarterback in the history of football. That's my. That's my guess. Um, and then did somebody, he technically hit market value? I guess. I mean, was no. Was the, he was. Yeah. He was always below market. That he was always uh, for two reasons. Or, I mean, I guess you can say like, is that his market value? I don't know, like since since he never hit market value. No, whatever you can get is your market value, right? Whatever whatever you can get in the open market is a market value. So, yeah, I mean, if you want to say that Tom Brady never knew what his market value was because he never went to the well, I mean, I guess technically he did go to the open market. Right. Um, whatever you can get, that's your market value. That's how market value works. Um, the other, somebody, whoever who is going, somebody's going war for Tyler Huntley. Somebody's yeah. trying to. It's are you, and you, you think it might be Charles on a burner? Commenting? I think it's Charles burner. Yeah, you think that might be what it is? Somebody's going war in the comments. I think it's my roommate's Huntley. burner. You think that's what that's my hypothesis. It's it's amazing yeah. how like we pretend that football is still what it was. I I was telling these guys during the commercial break in in the late 1990s and early 2000s because you could Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl, right? Like you could just win by just playing the other guy. Like Trent Dilfer was no better than Tony Banks was. In fact, you would argue in some ways he was worse. But you could just play the other guy and get a different result. Like that was the way that football worked. So we would convince ourselves. Oh my god, we would convince ourselves if you just play Eric Zier, man, everything will be different. If the Ravens just turn it over to Eric Zier, they're going to go win the Super Bowl now. Just Chris Redmond's the answer, baby. Like, go give it to Chris Redmond. God bless Tyler Huntley. Nice guy. One. 
Stop labeling him as a Pro Bowl quarterback. Stop it. Um, two, we know the limitations. Uh, Jordan Schultz's reports. Uh, a couple teams have been have met with Anthony Richardson. Um, seven of them: the Colts, the Panthers, the Falcons, the Raiders, Saints, Patriots, and the Baltimore Ravens. Sure, sure. I mean, for what it's worth. Anthony Richardson, it's the least surprising thing the Ravens would be in on that. Like, th- there's a certain limit to the number of players that you can meet with at the Combine. Um, and I, I've said two things. One, the Ravens also, throughout their history, and this is something that I have to... When a player becomes available later, they use their own scouting on the player, not looking into the film of what that player has necessarily done in their career. And, and when I say that, it's going to be a little bit different like when they brought in you know, Jason Pierre-Paul at the tail end of his career. But if a player comes available down the line, their system is, what did we say about that guy when we went through the process with him? What did we feel about him? Because they feel like if we can just get him here, we can get the guy that we thought he was. If we love the guy in the draft and he becomes available a couple years down the road, we're going to ignore... Their evaluation doesn't change. We're going to stick to what we thought that player was and our system and say, if we can get him here, we think he can be that guy. Mm-hmm. I can't give you an example of you know who that worked with off the top of my head, um, but that's the way that they've operated as a franchise is that it's part of... They, they do regularly use visits on guys they know they're not drafting. Some of it is also subterfuge, right? Like some of it is, you know, we want you to think we're doing something that we're not doing. Um, but... Like, they have to. They get they. It was brought up during this. They have to at least consider this. There is some scenario where he might not be the quarterback, and they might have to be in the market for a quarterback. So I think the Anthony Richardson thing for the Patriots is very interesting because I think they're looking at it like because they got Cam and they wanted Cam Cam Newton at one point, and they're kind of not happy with what the quarterback they have right now. So. I see that very interesting. Like, could they? Are they seeing that? Like, we can turn him into Cam Newton, or get that kind of productivity right. out of him. Right. But yeah, just just a team that when I heard it, I was like, hmm, made me think. Like, I'm trying to figure out where they're going with it, but you know, I'm just spitballing. I get it. Thing. I get it. Uh, Sarah Ellison had tweeted yeah. one of the quotes from Eric Dekai. Andrew Stecker just sent this to me. I guess Rashad Bateman's going war on Twitter today. Sarah Ellison tweeted uh, Eric DeCosta on problems drafting wide receivers. Quote: If I had an answer. Sarah Ellison able to put like 300 uh, this is a long ass quote in this tweet if I had an answer uh, that would probably mean I would have some better receivers we're going to keep swinging there have been some guys that have been successful players for us that were draft picks we've never been really hit on that all pro type of guy which is disappointing but it's not for a lack of effort it's one of those anomalies that I can't really explain other than to say that we're not going to stop trying we're going to keep swinging and hopefully at one of these points we're going to hit the ball out of the park Rashad Bateman quote tweets that and says, how about you play to your player's strength and stop pointing the finger at us and number eight? Blame the one you let do this. We take heat 24-7 and keep us healthy. Care about us and see what happens. Ain't no promises, though. Tired of y'all lying and capping on players for no reason. Them firing the coordinator is sharing heat. So I don't really... Well, I mean, they didn't actually fire him for what it's right. worth. They didn't fire him. And it does seem like he's taking a shot both at... Roman, Roman and, and at Steve Saunders mm-hmm. in this process. And so, again, the Ravens can say, well, we those guys aren't here any longer. Um, but the, the wide receiver issue is not unique to Greg Roman. And it's not an anomaly either. Like, it's... I would say it's an anomaly for the Ravens and how they've... They have, at basically every other position on the field, drafted... Yeah, the, I mean, you a can, star. Correct, for yeah. the most part. 
would have to go through and think yeah. about every like Haloti was a bona fide star on the defensive line. Terrell Suggs was a star edge rusher. Obviously, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed. Really, when you think about offense, it's not an anomaly. Have no, Jamal Lewis was an well absolute super. Ray Rice and Jamal Ray Lewis Rice, were both yeah. superstar yeah. running backs. Okay. Todd, Todd, Todd Heap, Heap Andrews, and, and Mark Andrews are superstar Dennis tight Pitta. ends. Dennis Pitta was never a superstar. Yeah. Like they've drafted Dennis Pitta caliber players at wide receiver. At wide receiver, their best hit with ever was Torrey Smith. He was never a star in this league. He was a good football player, but he was never a star in this league. At every other position on the field, they have drafted players that turned out to be stars. Wide receiver, they've never done it. Now, you know, hopefully a healthy Rashad Bateman will become a star. I hope yeah. that's the case. Um, I, I don't make a lot about it other than I think that Rashad Bateman's emotional. I think he's – I don't – it's wants, not he wants to defend there. his quarterback. Correct, right? Yeah. Like, and I think every single player on this, for what it's worth, don't convince yourself that like, hey, the players don't want Lamar Jackson to soak up that much of the salary cap. It's one of the dumbest things I hear. I see people tweet. Yeah, we like, talked about that on like, Tuesday. Like, no, <laughs> they understand if they don't have that, they're like, in hell. Derek Carr's throwing him the football. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Devontae Adams wanted to be with Derek Carr. I don't know who else does. <laughs> there was a list of one. Fighting Words time. Fighting Words brought to you by Birdland Sports, where you can get these awesome T-shirts like the Mountain Felix Batista T-shirt right there or the 2023 World Series Champion T-shirt. You can go right now to birdlandsports.com, created by a Birds fan for Birds fans, birdlandsports.com. Prices better than the big guys, quality shirts, and they will ship in time for opening day. I will be rocking on opening day my The Birds Are Coming t-shirt in the style of Omar from The Wire. I'm looking forward to that. You can get yours right now, birdlandsports.com. Big week for fighting words, but uh, we only have seven minutes. Let's get into it now. All right, I'll try to make it quick. All right, the recap. We've already spoke on it a little bit throughout the week. Um, Celebrity boxing craze had its like tumultuous event. Uh, Jake Paul and Tommy Fury squared off. It ended in a split decision victory for Tommy Fury. Um, lackluster, sloppy fight. A lot of uh, hugging. A lot of uh, hugging. A lot of hugging. Yeah, I saw a meme where uh, it's the two pe- like the two like uh, cringe meme faces hugging, and it's just like Tommy Fury versus yeah. Jake Paul. But yeah, um, the WBC announced that they would give uh, Jake Paul a ranking if he won, and they had to eat their words. And turns out they gave Tommy Fury a ranking. Uh-huh. Um, and, Great. Also uh, not deserving. Yeah, not deserving. Let's be and, abundantly clear about that. Um, the contract, I guess, of sorts, uh, had a rematch clause for Jake Paul, but not for Tommy ah. Fury. So ah. it's uh, we'll see and kind of weigh and result uh, how what, that all plays out. What if Jake out. Paul retires? You, you might see. I will not. I don't give a rat's ass. Now, I'll, let me be fair about something. Even real fighters hug sometimes. Like It's not yeah. like... That's not unique to, to guys that aren't fighters. There are real fighters that will end up spending a good amount of a fight hugging because, you know, especially heavyweights. Like, when you're slugging it out for that long. When it's the first round and you're, like, and yeah, you're, that's yeah, not a, and that's you're not, crashing into punches yes, and hugging. Yes, that's, that's like, a reminder that these aren't fighters, yeah. right? Like, yeah. that's, that's, that is definitely significant. But I do need to be fair. It's not like we don't see heavyweights in right. particular. Right. Now, guys that aren't heavyweights normally not quite as much hugging. Like, it's just when you're a heavyweight, you're carrying that much weight around. It's why, um, what's his face? Oh, God, who am I? Uh, Tyson Fury, like, with the Deontay Wilder, Wilder fight, just decided to lean on Deontay Wilder for half the fight because he was like, yeah, I put on some weight. You get to hold it. Like, that's <laughs> the way that it was going to go. It was part of the strategy for the fight, and it worked out quite well for him. Um, look, I've already been through it. I have nothing more to say. This is... Yeah. It, this All is, I have this left is... is 
this is a sham. This is an embarrassment. But you know, for those of you that uh, like it, uh, God bless you. I have no idea yeah. what to say. It's 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 a dark. It is absolutely a dark moment in the history of boxing that this is the only thing that when when you try to hold this up as like you know Jake Paul's doing more for boxing. No, it's the opposite of that. It's the absolute opposite of that. Jake Paul is ruining boxing because this is not going. The, the casual people that will tune in for this aren't tuning in on Friday night for top rank boxing. They don't want to watch boxing. They want to watch a celebrity do something. Because that's what we do now. We're voyeurs. We want to watch, you know, a celebrity. We'll watch you pee. We'll watch you, you know, do anything at this point. It doesn't matter. We'll watch you play. We literally watch people play video games. I know. I get it. Old man yelling at cloud. Fine. That's whatever. I, no, it's not. It, Stop. A lot of people watch. It. I, I understand. <laughs> it's part of the problem. It's not helping boxing. There is no carryover effect. There is nothing that's translating from this. This is not lifting up the sport. It's the exact opposite thing. It's making people who care about the sport feel detached from the sport. That's what it's working for. It is not lifting up boxing in any way. Next. Next. Uh, Time 3 is coming out. That will do more for boxing than Jake Paul. (laughs) Time Magazine paired an article report along with an informational documentary bashing Dana White's new venture. It's called uh, Power Slap Has Competitors Slap Each Other As Hard As possible here's why it's dangerous and i was kind of doing some web surfing and i saw a media outlet uh put out a list power slap sucks so bad here's 10 combat shows anyone else would rather rather watch and a couple of them are like actually pretty hilarious i figured i'd go through a couple of them uh, with quick, you quick quick because i yeah. want to get to the third ones can we can we not do that this i just we've already had the power slap conversation it stinks yeah it stinks it it shouldn't exist yeah just a couple of them, uh, full contact figure skating, uh, Grandma's Revenge. Where, okay, all uh, right, now I'm in. <laughs> I'm in on the, Now, you know what? You've actually sold me on this. I'm in. So I'm in. full contact figure skating, one skater doing their usual artistic routine while another purely tries to block a third participant from disrupting the routine. <laughs> all right. Um, I'd watch. Grandma's Revenge. Uh, basically, uh, grandmas get to go on more, like kind of Maury type show. And, uh, grandmas get to take free swings at any man who messes with their granddaughter or vice versa. Um, just kind of throwing spitballing ideas out there. This outlet was doing, and uh, they also had a. Hang on, um, so, or, so hang on a second. I need yeah. to. We have to do some producing live on the air. So is is Josh gonna call in later then? Yes. Or do they both think they can call in on the same line at the same time? Because that's gonna be on the producer. We're gonna right. have to deal with some yeah. producing problems here. I need you to get that straightened out. All right. Okay. Make sure we know the answer to that question. Sorry, I had to yeah, deal with some live no producing at that moment. So uh-huh. back to. They, and basically anything would be better than Power Slap. A uh, couple other ideas they had was bringing back uh, MTV Celebrity Deathmatch, the Claymation kind of show, and kind of like bringing it to real life in this like weird fantasy world that we live in where Power Slapping is now something that has made itself on TV. And then finally, Waffle House Throwdowns. No, no, that I would watch. <laughs> that is quite high quality. That is fantastic stuff. All right, yeah. number three because it's the big one yep. for this week for Fighting Words. John Bone, uh, John Bones Jones, I guess now John Big Bone Jones is returning. Um, he's uh, coupled with a uh, couple coming out parties for potential future stars in the UFC, and uh, yeah, T-Mobile uh, in Las Vegas has a big event coming down. Um, kind of scratched beneath the surface of the event. Uh, Valentina, the like women's uh, one of the women's greats, is uh, defending her belt against Alexa Grasso. Um, the lines are astronomical for a lot of the fights on this card including that one i'm pretty sure she's at a minus plus over minus seven. Oh wow yeah for wow. sure wow okay um and then griffin mentioned it earlier bo nickel is making his uh debut um 
in, he's making his official UFC UFC debut. He's had a couple uh, contender series matches. Um, all his fights total under the UFC banner have combined two minutes and 27 seconds. Uh, three opponents. And, uh, yeah, he's looked at as the future. They built a whole institute, uh, like, like how they have in the UFC PI for Vegas, like the whole training center. They built one in Penn State. No. Where Bo Nickel went, uh, where he wrestled. Like more wrestling, yeah, yes. related. That yeah. makes sense. Three-time so, NCAA uh, yeah. wrestling champion, four-time All-American. I mean, this guy is maybe the greatest wrestler ever. Uh, uh, no, he's up on all that. That's just that's definitely, hyperbole. definitely currently. Well, it might and be current. Well, I don't know. Gable Steeson was pretty good too, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Best wrestler the UFC has gotten to yeah. fight under their banner. Yeah. They yeah. tried to, you know, Gable and Jordan Burroughs. Yeah, but Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Um, look, man, I'm, I am, I'm gonna. The plan is to go out and watch the fight on Saturday night, um, which is the first time I have done that in a very long time. You guys, I've told you how I felt about the UFC kind of post Phil Brooks, um, but I'm gonna go out and watch the fight. Obviously, there's a personal connection there for me because of my relationship with John Jones, but I'm gonna go out, I'm gonna watch it, and I'm gonna give them the opportunity to show me something on Saturday night. I'm excited about it. Who wins the fight? I think. We got to go quickly because we got John Jones. John Jones. I lean John Jones as well, but if I was ever going to pick against John Jones, I Uh, think I'd want to go surreal gone. I hear you. I hear you. The one he still he still has those long legs to land those Mm -hmm. kicks. Like that still exists. Like at this three year layoff. I hear you. It's significant. It's significant. There's no doubt about it. All right. Thank you, Charles. Appreciate it. All right, uh, let's switch gears. Great story um, as both the basketball teams at Johns Hopkins are getting ready for the NCAA tournament this weekend. The men hosting as they will take on Mitchell tomorrow night at Goldfarb Gymnasium. The women on their way up to Massachusetts where they're going to take on Skidmore tomorrow. Let's bring in both coaches from Johns Hopkins. Really cool opportunity to have a conversation with both Coach Catherine Bixby of women's basketball and Josh Leffler from men's basketball. Catherine, Josh, it's Glenn. It's so great to catch up with you both. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Thanks, Glenn. Happy hey, to be here. It's 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 really great to chat with you. And, and Coach uh, Catherine, I'll, I'll start with you first. Um, I think this is a really neat story. And in talking to Ernie about this the other day, like the synergy of you guys coming in together and both replacing legends – I know you only have to worry about your team and getting ready to prepare, but have you felt like there's been something where maybe you these both programs have helped to lift each other up over the course of the last couple of seasons? You know, <laughs> uh, being able to work alongside Coach Loeffler has been an honor. I mean, he's a, he's a legend and he's so brilliant. And uh, just watching him work uh, has kind of challenged me to be a better coach. I feel so fortunate to, to be able to watch his kind of brilliance from afar. Boy, I mean, now wait a second. That puts a lot of pressure on you, Josh. Like, you better, you better be ready to use like even more impressive words when you describe the relationship with Catherine. I, uh, I, I first time ever being described as brilliant, not, uh, not associated That's not with true. like, I doubt with, like, that. Maybe, I think, I think my mom, I think that my mom said that about me once in, kin- in kindergarten. Um, no, Glenn, Glenn, it's like, I think the one really great thing is, is, um, our teams are able to push each other, um, work with each other on some level and, you know, uh, I, I think it's really cool that, like, you know, Coach Bixby and I get to float ideas back and forth and talk about what's going on and, cool. and have uh, real conversations about basketball that are that are very, um, 
they're very helpful, and, and I'm I I, uh, I I'm currently going through a thesaurus to find something more impressive than brilliant to say about. <laughs> no, Catherine. no, um, you you, you they, are they, the thesaurus. <laughs> so um, no, it's it's Glenn. It's it's a really great department. You know, I'm sure you're aware. We yep. have we have programs across the department that are led by incredible coaches that have great success. Um, but it is really special to have two basketball programs both competing in the NCAA tournaments, and it's it's really nice to do it alongside someone who um, has a program that does as well run and classy as uh, as Coach Bixby's. That's cool. It's it's a really cool way of explaining it, and I and I, I do I think there's something about like a uh, high tide raises all ships, right? Like that you see what the other program is doing and you say, we want to be able to celebrate that too. We want to create that sort of level all throughout what it is that we're doing. Um, Catherine, your defense, uh, is this always been like the, the hallmark of you in your life is that like, I am going to get these kids to sell out and buy in because these numbers are staggering. I mean, this is insane to be allowing 46.9 points per game this season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I don't know if it's always been a hallmark. If you called up my college coach, he would probably have a couple stories of how uh, <laughs> I drove him nuts because I did not like playing defense as a player. I was a pure offensive player. Um, I think it's something that I developed uh, back at Dickinson when I was there previous to John Hopkins, just trying to find what we could control. Uh, and defense was kind of the easiest thing. And I, I think we teach it well so that when you're working with kind of high academic student athletes, they really appreciate the, the scaffolding and the teaching aspect of sports. So they really grasp onto it. Uh, and I think it's something that they've kind of made their own. It's no longer my thing or the coach's thing. I think it's something that they themselves have taken into their, their own uh, kind of right and made it something even better than I could have imagined. Um, so it's fun. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and look, it's working. There's no doubt about that. Josh, it's not like you are, are without strong defense, um, and particularly inside. How much it, – it's a name that might sound familiar to people. Sidney Tybel, you might be familiar with someone in his family, his older cousin, Matisse. Um, but the defensive player of the year in the league and the presence that he has provided for you guys inside defensively I know has been a big part of your success. Yeah, I think – you know, Sydney has has the has the reputation, and, and it's well earned. You know, he um, he's more than he's more than just a, a really good rim protector. Uh, he's a great communicator. He really um, takes on a lot of responsibility within our defense, and, and we put a lot of um, we put a lot of responsibility on our front court players in terms of anchoring our defense and communicating what we're doing. And um, he, he he really. Uh, has run with it and uh, continues to get better daily as a player overall, which is which is really fun to see. Catherine Bixby and Josh Leffler are with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Johns Hopkins women's and men's basketball getting ready for the NCAA tournament tomorrow. Um, Catherine, for your team, taking the next step, right, and making a deep run in the NCAA tournament, everything that you've done, is it, hey, keep doing what we've done and we think we're going to be there, or is there something that you would say, hey, we're going to have to do this in order to put together a run through this tournament? Yeah, I think it's a combination of both. Um, but more than anything, it's just continuing to do what, what we have been doing. You, know, you don't want to change up who you are yeah. for just one game. So obviously it'll be kind of our defensive backbone. 
we are matched up with Skidmore, which is a team kind of similar to uh, Gettysburg that we've seen the last kind of couple games in the last two weeks. Uh, so I think we need to make a modification in some ways there because we have lost those games to Gettysburg and we don't right. we don't want to come in with the same game plan against Skidmore. Um, so, so those little modifications here and there aren't going to be huge, though. It'll still be within kind of who we are defensively and offensively. Yeah, I, I want to go back to something you said earlier, Catherine. You talk about the, the players, like the, the intelligence of having these players. Um, I, I look at someone like Michaela O'Neill, a 4.0 GPA <laughs> at molecular and cellular biology. Like these are words that I can barely even understand as I say them, right? <laughs> can, can you explain to me, cause, yes. like, is it as simple as saying – if, if you can be this smart in that field, you're going to comprehend what it is that I'm asking of you better. Like, can you tell me more about the, how that translates to what it is that you guys do on the floor? Yeah, so, so like I said earlier, you know, they really grasp onto a scouting report, right? They like, it's almost like a, it's almost like a science, you know, formula. They like, if this, then this means this. So that doesn't always happen, though, in sports, right? There's a lot of unknowns and kind of freedom within basketball. So I actually think our job as coaches is to help them loosen up a bit and play outside of those lines and outside of those restrictions. And Michaela O'Neill is one of our smartest players, and she's also um, one of our most athletic. So we try and put her in positions to actually play outside of those lines a little bit, right? Like loosen her up a bit. She doesn't need to be strictly within kind of our play calls. Um, she's made some really big plays for us defensively, too, with her athleticism. Um, and, you know, just trying to get her to have fun. I think that's kind of what the coaching staff and the leaders on the team are trying to focus on right now, is just enjoying this moment and having fun. And hopefully she'll go right from winning an NCAA title to, like, dis- you know, discovering the cure for cancer or something like that, because, <laughs> my God. Yeah, they're that- pretty impressive. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that is amazing. Um, you know, Josh, I'm going to, I'm going to give you the same question, right? It, for your team and, and you guys, it, it, it's felt like something has been building right with this program to make a deep run in the tournament. What do you guys need to make sure that you do maybe even a little bit better as you get into this part of the season? I don't know, maybe a better coach, who knows? Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's hard, man. You know, the, the, uh, the NCAA tournament is, it's such a great event. It's such a fun event. Um, and, you know, there's the attention to March Madness and, and all of it is, is really exciting and it's, and it's well-deserved for these student-athletes on both teams. Um, you know, but the, the reality of, of uh, March Madness is that you're playing really, really good teams night in and night out, and if you don't play well, you can go home. So, you know, just understanding that you put your work in, you go on the floor and you let it all, you know, let it all, fall where it may based on, you know, the fact that you've been, um, you know, working all year for this and putting in the real time. You know, it was funny. I was watching last night, you know, former Johns Hopkins coach, uh, 30 for 30, Jim Valvano, survive in advance, you know, and, um, you know, think about, think about all the things that happened for that NC State team when he was there yeah. and, you know, no one gave them a chance. And, and that's what, that's the beauty of March Madness. You know, you get your Cinderella's, you get the, the, the great stories and, and you also get great teams who continue to play at their highest level and and that's what draws people to this entire thing it's it's those storylines uh, it is that's what makes this exciting I know you you suffered uh, you got some bad luck uh, injury wise with Tom Corey going down how did your team 
sort of pick up from that and not suffer a drop-off in that moment? I, I give our guys a lot of credit. We've had several injuries throughout the year. Um, to key players, we're currently down two starters, one of whom is Tom and one of whom is Ethan Bartlett, who have been huge pl- players for us and, and huge pieces for us. And, um, you know, I think, I think we have good depth. I think it's one of the things that allows us to, to deal with it. I, I would also say that Tom and Ethan and some other players who haven't had quite as uh, long of, an, of, a, of, a, of a bout with their injury, but they've stayed engaged with the team. They've stayed on the, on the track of helping to lead being there daily, talking to everybody, you know, so it's not like we, we just lost these guys and never see them again. They're, they're in the gym, they're in the locker room. And, and, you know, when you can have two graduate students like Tom and Ethan who put their own, you know, self aside and continue to just bring it every day to make us better. I think that's a, that's another form of inspiration for our players. And, They've done an awesome job of it, and uh, I'm, we're we're lucky to have kids like them. Uh, it's it's and it's a huge part. It's a huge part that you're bought in, and that you this matters that much to you. There's no doubt about it. Um, uh, Catherine, I know that you've got a younger team, right? Is there some part of you that says like, hey, we want to go win the NCAA tournament? But there's is there an excitement about you know what could be coming for this program even beyond like just establishing this and what could be coming in the coming years? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's really exciting to be going back to the MCAs after being there last year and having a team that has some players getting experience on the court in the MCAs. Uh, we do have seven seniors and a grad student on the team, and it's been really exciting to get to have this opportunity for them, just thinking even way back, you know, four years ago, uh, how much those seniors have put into this program and sticking with it. We came in with seven and we're leaving with seven um, through the COVID year and all that, I think, you know, they've been great leaders to Josh's point with, uh, Ethan and Tom, yeah. we've just had really selfless leadership out of those seven. And, uh, I'm just really excited for them to be having this opportunity. And then on the flip side to have, you know, Michaela, Greta, Jaden, and then we're starting a first year point guard have experienced that test on the court in the, in the NCAs is great experience for the future, just continuing to, build this program year in and then year out. And then, Josh, I think on the local front, um, a lot of people probably familiar with one of your guys, Will Sykes, from Mount St. Joe, and the transition that he's made. And I know he's not, you know, playing like 30 minutes a game, but for folks that probably, you know, given who some of his teammates were, I think there are a lot of guys that were watching Mount St. Joe basketball a little while might not be familiar with the fact that, you know, you brought him over and he's been a contributor for you these last couple of years. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to have the Baltimore you know, basketball scene uh, in, in part, you know, to, to watch every night, but also to get to recruit, you know, and um, it's part of a great uh, larger uh, basketball scene in the, in the entire DMV. But, you know, Baltimore Catholic League, great public schools in the area. You know, we're, we're fortunate to have really good basketball here. Um, and we're, we've been fortunate to, over the years, have players in our program who come from those programs, uh, Chid Nake was at Loyola Blakefield, graduated last year. Diego yeah. Thompson was at City. Um, and now Will from St. Joe. You know, anytime you can get a guy from Mount St. Joe, you know you're getting a winner. Yep. Um, we, had Kyle, we had Kyle Dorn from Mount St. Joe my first year here, was probably the best player in the league. And what you learn is, you know, 
Pat Clatchy has developed one of the best programs in the entire country. Congrats to Pat on win number 1,785,000 or whatever it is this year. Um, I'm sure he's, he's already packing for Alhambra, yep. uh, you know, ready to go. But anytime you can get a, a kid like Will to come over here, they just have been through it. They know what it takes. They bring a passion. And that's the big thing with Will is he's such a passionate player. He's just such a hard worker. He's such a great teammate. He knows what winning looks like, and that's a testament to his program at Mount St. Joe and his coaches there. And and we're fortunate to have had players um, from multiple programs in Baltimore uh, and the greater Baltimore area over the years, and it's, and it's helped to fuel us. And I, I just love the fact that we can recruit the Baltimore Catholic League and the the, the public league, and it's it's so great to uh, to be able to have access to, to terrific talent. It's so funny. Every time I see that Pat Clatchy's got a milestone, I'm like, what, what is it this time? Like, what record could he possibly be breaking this time around? And, and the, yeah. great thing, the great thing about Pat the great thing about Pat is I'm like, hey, congrats, man. He's like, all right, I'm at an eighth-grade game with right, my right, next great right. player. i got work to do. Yeah. And it's like, hey, Pat, Pat, Pat's, Pat's the best recruiter in Maryland. You yeah. know, I mean, he's, he's unbelievable. What, what, an unbelievable uh, what an unbelievable job he's done. And, and you know, the Baltimore Catholic League uh, quarterfinals tonight, Yep, and then uh, you know going through the weekend, so great basketball all throughout our uh, all throughout our city and our our counties um, these next few days. And you know they're itching after uh, dropping the the final to St. Francis in the MIAA too. You know they're going to try to get that back. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, like what they they play each other like nine times a year. Correct. So be- <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. All right, uh, Catherine Bixby, Josh Leffler. Again, let's make sure everybody knows. Uh, get out uh, to support the men this weekend. They are at home. For the tournament at Goldfarb Gymnasium, uh, women, and, and that's tomorrow at four o'clock. Correct, Coach? Yeah, we play at six. Actually, six, there's six. the, uh, the okay. first game is at three thirty. Thank you. That's the right. First game is at three thirty, and then and then we're at six. No, I got it switched up. Coach Bixby, you're playing at four o'clock up on the road, right? I had that part yep. right. That's yep. what that's what I did yep, there. there. I just flip flopped the two things. Um, uh, coaches, congratulations. Uh, it's such a cool story, such a great thing that you guys have been able to sustain um, the long success uh, Johns Hopkins basketball. Rooting for both of you as you guys get in the NCAA tournament. Thank you so much for taking the time for us this morning. Awesome. Thanks, Glenn. Thank you, Glenn. Appreciate Thank- it. That's uh, Coach Josh Leffner and Coach Catherine Bixby from Johns Hopkins. I appreciate them hopping on with it. It's a neat story about uh, two programs that are both succeeding at the same time and both getting ready for the NCAA tournament right now. Appreciate them spending some time here with us. All right, uh, we got to take one more break, right? Am I correct about that? We got one more break on the yes. docket. I'm a professional. I knew that, obviously. Yeah, you did. All over it. I was just testing you, really, is all that was. Hey, today's show brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Come back in. Wind things down. It's Glenn Clark Radio. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers start at over $60,000 and over $64,000 for lateral officers with $10,000 signing bonuses available. Plus, cadets start at over $32,000. Great benefits are available like medical, dental, and vision insurance, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days per calendar year with no limit, career advancement to more than 20 specialized units, and more with further incentives for military service members and veterans. A passion for service, a career for 
life with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license and a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. There's something for everyone this February at Laurel Park. Come watch live horse racing every Friday through Sunday and join us on Saturday, February 18th for the Winter Stakes Spectacular featuring six stakes races and $900,000 in purses, including the General George and Barbara Fritchie Stakes. The fun doesn't stop there. Stick around for our winter Mardi Gras celebration with live music, delicious food and drinks, and a carnival atmosphere. Plus, don't miss out on President's Day holiday racing on Monday, February 20th. Visit laurelpark.com for more info. That's laurelpark.com for more. See you at the track. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches. And top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. All right, back in here on GCR as we are winding down for a Thursday edition of the program. PressBoxOnline.com slash offers is really the best spot for you to go for everything baseball betting related. You are still thinking about signing up or maybe you've signed up for one or two of the companies that are offering sports betting here in the state of Maryland, but not all of them, you're, you're leaving money on the table. So you can get up to five second chance bets, up to $50 each with points bet, along with other great incentives and promos when you sign up, but you got to do it through PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Again, PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Click on points bet. It'll take you through. You'll get up to five second chance bets, up to $50 each from point bet. Baseball futures bets, season specials, player award bets, they're already live. Go to pressboxonline.com slash offers right now for your shot at winning big. A lot of um, Twitter is kind of melting down over this Rashad Bateman tweet. I'm not trying to say it's nothing. It's not nothing. I think that there are – the question that's being maybe asked or I'm parsing through the things you guys are saying to ask the question is – it's very clear how much frustration is coming out. We saw um, former Raven Quincy had a boy Joe kind of went after um, 
Steve Saunders a little bit. Said he ruined his career. Um, mm. We know how Derek Wolf felt. Derek Wolf was very vocal from the get go. Carl Davis said something. Carl apparently. Davis definitely yeah. said something. The former defensive lineman. A lot of guys have have come out. So I think the question becomes: Is there resentment related to Steve Saunders that is carried over towards the organization on the whole, or John Harbaugh? Um. You guys saw these report cards that came out. The NFLPA for the first time. Yeah, did I was. This. I saw those yesterday. Yeah, if you're a Vikings fan, you got to be very happy, right? The Vikings. Got well, it. I immediately my I didn't worry about the Vikings. I when I first saw it, I mean, where are the Ravens at on right. this one? What was interesting, like some the, it, Vikings, the strength staff, it yes. looked like was your worst. Yes, one. Yes, correct. That, that was yeah, bad that, compared to the rest of the like teams in the league too. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, it was something like every every strength staff in the league it was like a worst like C 20, or B. Twenty eight of the 32 strength staffs in the league were all graded well. And then there was the Ravens. Um, now, again, there's two, there's two parts of that question, right? Part of it is, do you believe that with Steve Saunders gone, that's fixed? Or are there players that worry that that's a mentality that comes from John Harbaugh that's going to be problematic no matter who is in that responsibility? Um... At the core of these issues, this is from the report card that was given. At the core of these issues is the team's former head strength coach, Steve Saunders. Assessment of him by player respondents was markedly negative. Only 38% of player respondents felt that they receive an individualized plan for their strength training, and many complain that the training room is understaffed. <laughs> so there is a real question there about whether or not there is a belief that the Ravens the problems maybe go beyond Steve Saunders. And is Rashad Bateman tweeting, or, you know, quote, tweeting an Eric DaCosta quote about, hey, dude, we got a bigger problem in general here. It's easy for some people to say, well, look, Steve Saunders is gone. You know, if you're mad about Greg Roman, Greg Roman's gone. All's good. The question is, in the minds of these players, does any of that hold over to the other parties, and does that impact things? And what really feels like it's coming out in this Rashad Bateman tweet, and again, if you did not see it earlier, Rashad Bateman responded to Sarah Ellison, the former Ravens.com uh, writer who's now doing a podcast with her buddy Bobby Trossett, who just qu- tweeted out what Eric DaCosta said about drafting wide receivers. He responded by saying in a quote tweet, how about you play to your player's strength and stop pointing the finger at us in number eight, Blame the one you let do this. We take heat 24-7 and keep us healthy. Care about us and see what happens. Ain't no promises, though. Tired of y'all lying and capping on players for no reason. When you say ain't no promises, though, it reads like a player who wants out, right? It reads like a player who's like, I'm not telling you I'm going to come back and give you my all. That's how mad I am about something. Again, I think that that can just be in a moment. It can be emotional and, you know, you separate them and a day later you're like, dude, I'm going to get ready for the season. I'm going to go have a monster season this year. Like, I I don't overreact to that. But if you want to ask the bigger question of, is there a greater disconnect between players and the Ravens? And does the Lamar Jackson situation stand out as significant? Like, is it the type of thing where that's kind of holding everything together like, hey, yeah, we don't like a lot of things that are going on here, but we got Lamar Jackson here, so we're good. And if Lamar Jackson goes away, all of a sudden, 
It's a house of cards. Everything collapses. At least between the relationship between, you know, the players and the organization. And I have no idea. Look, I, you know, I, the moment, the number of times I've talked to players, I have not sensed there's a bigger, you know, all, there's, there's some sort of war between the players and the organization within Baltimore. And again, all of the other grades that you saw in this report card. Pull up the rest of the grades from the por- report card, all if right. you don't mind. Like, it, was, it was bad. The, it wasn't. It really wasn't. There was a. I don't know. They, they were. There was a surprising. Were they top ten in anything? I mean, they had a couple of A's. There was a surprising um, grade for like f- the treatment of families because every time you uh, talk yeah. to a player, everybody's like, "No, you know, there's a great family atmosphere." And then we found out that that was really about um, the fact they specifically don't have a meeting room. So yeah, Ravens C plus treatment of families. Right. Like the the, the B minus nutrition, C plus weight room. F minus strength of stuff. Right. right. So those F two kind of go those two kind of go together. C training room. Right. Uh training staff B plus. Locker room A. That's expected. Mm-hmm. And travel A. Right. I so, noticed with the travel, it's either they're a badly run franchise or the players recognize if you're in the middle of the country. Like Kansas City was on uh one of the worst grades for travel. And I think that's strictly because they always have to go far. It's an interesting yeah. yeah. They're always going to a coast. But did, I mean, you have to see if there was something that yeah. the player said about it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you'd have to go through some of the responses. Because what we found out about the f- treatment of families is it was very unique to the players would like for there to be a meeting room at the stadium so that after the game, there can be almost like a holding area. All of the families can report to that place and everybody can meet up instead of like, hey, you got to linger and wait in the stadium if it's cold, if it's rainy, for the players to come back out to you. Like, they would like to have somewhere that their, their families can go so they can can reconnect once the game is over. That doesn't seem unreasonable. It also doesn't seem like it's evil that the Ravens haven't had that. It's something that probably within the $600 million that they're giving by the state to upgrade, they can look to address, right? Say like, hey, let's kick some of this money that we're getting over to figuring out somewhere within the bowels of the stadium for us to have a, a meeting area for the families. Not much of an excuse, though, because Buffalo's A minus, and they play in a fairly old stadium. I, I'm not saying it's an excuse as much yeah. as it's just I, it, like if they, some of the players it should have been something that's been taken I, care of. I would say this: I don't know of it as being a common thing, right? Like I don't know of that. But again, it's not something I think about all that much. I think it's totally plausible that it's just not something that's happened. Or like the Ravens have said, "Hey, look, we're planning on doing this. We are planning on making it happen." We have to wait. We, we The Ravens don't get to decide things about their stadium without the state being involved. That's the nature of the state running the stadium authority. So the Ravens might very well say to the players, guys, we understand. We're working on it. We, we, we want it to happen. But we're literally not allowed to do anything to the stadium itself without approval from the state. And, of course, there's a new director of the stadium authority with a new governor that just came in. And it's more complicated than just we want to do it. So now we can go do it. They don't run the stadium. It's the state's property that they cooperate with the Ravens. And so it might be something the Ravens are aware of. And they're saying, look, man, that is high on the list of things that we're going to look to fix in the coming years. It seems like a simplistic fix. Just get a freaking meeting room, man. Like, you know, carve out some space, figure out where you want to put that. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that you need from a stadium, but it seems like the type of thing that you can do, push something else outside, whatever you need to do underneath the stadium to make that work, make that work, figure out a way to go about doing it and fix that. The other stuff, the, the weight room probably tied into their experience with 
the strength and conditioning coach, at, if they say the weight room is under it's understaffed, fix that. Fix that. Yeah. Right. You know, like fix that. This is not the Cardinals have a problem on their hands. Yeah, they they didn't look good. Oh my this god. The Cardinals, it's an Ooh. S show. The 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 story of the Cardinals charging you money if you want to eat at the facility during the offseason when you're coming in to work out when every team in the NFL desperately wants these players to come into the facility to work out. Every team, every single person in a leadership position in the NFL would say, we desperately, by the way, not just that, but if you stay long enough at the facility during the year, they charge you money if you eat dinner there. Jeez. Every other team in the NFL says, please, stay here. Eat dinner here. We will take care of you. Now, for whatever reason, some owners would say it's because I don't want them out, you know, drag racing later. I want them in the building as much as I can possibly have them in the building because in the building, you presume you're going to be productive. You're going to do football-related things. You're going to do team bonding-related things. You're going to do training-related things. What Chad Johnson was telling the story, you know, just a couple weeks ago, I know it got traction on um, social media, about he essentially lived in the, the Bengals facility. And that's what most teams want from players. Be here as much as possible. Because if you're here, we think you're doing productive things. We think that your time here is being spent in good ways. So you want to eat breakfast here? You want to eat lunch here? You want to eat dinner here? We got you. We will take care of that. Yeah, the only thing they didn't grade out an F on is strength staff, training staff, and travel. Cardinals. And I think that's because there's such a demand for – health professionals in Arizona, but what I've okay. noticed is weird. Okay. All right. Strength staff graded out at A-, minus, but the weight room graded out as F-, minus. so that's very yeah. telling so their on how is. the yeah, owner and, stinks, but right. yeah, how they're great putting people. in their yeah, resources right. to the yeah. Great people Look, down we've there. known that the Cardinals are a poorly run franchise for some time. Not surprising, Washington did not do well on this report card. Not surprising. It's a poorly run franchise. We are not remotely surprised by how they did in this report card. The Ravens one was, again, a little bit surprising because what you hear, for the most part, is how well-run the organization is. But some of these grades specifically appear to be attached to a disastrous situation that they have had in the eyes of the players with the strength coach. The question is, is it just fixed by having him gone, or is there a bigger top-down problem that exists between the Ravens, and this goes back to John Harbaugh and kind of being a hard-ass about something. Remember, John Harbaugh was the guy that there, famously there was a mutiny, quote-unquote, with the Ravens in the midst of the Super Bowl season regarding them going out for more padded practices. The Ravens got in trouble because John Harbaugh tried to skirt the new CBA rules about how much you could practice. John Harbaugh has, if there is a valid criticism of that side of it, it's that John Harbaugh has definitely kind of pushed the boundaries in the way that they've gone about doing things. The Ravens players are saying, now look at how much many of us have gotten hurt. We blame this for that. We blame Derek Wolf was the first to publicly come out and say, I directly blame Steve Saunders. And not just for health issues, for how it impacted the team late in the season. Mm-hmm. Is that fixed because Steve Saunders is gone? To be determined. If the players are saying, if Rashad Bateman's saying, like, dude, I'm I still don't trust you guys. I think you're just gonna replace him with another Steve Saunders. I think this is a edict from the top. 
I think you knew what was going on and you signed off on it. Well, then that's a problem. Like that's that's an issue. I don't know how it gets fixed. I don't know if that's somewhere where Steve Bashotti has to step in and somebody has to step in and say to John Harbaugh, like, we got to do things differently. Like, you, your way of doing it ain't going to work. I don't know. Yeah, I really like that they did this because it's just, it shows so many things. And, like, it, it, look, it's it all, could mean nothing. And yeah. that's the other thing, too. Yeah. It's always dangerous, something like this. It's easy for. What do you do? See a lot of F's like that. Right. That's telling. But then there's some teams that graded out surprisingly really well, like, the Packers, who are publicly owned, had no grade lower than a B minus. The Texans, who everyone thinks are t- is a terrible disaster, franchise, yep. no grade lower than a B minus. But it would also say to you, like maybe these things don't really matter all that right. much, right? Yeah. Like there's, like that's the problem in reading into any of these things, right? Like the Ravens would say, yeah, we got a bad strength grade, but like you know, we made the playoffs. <laughs> like, would we rather get a bunch of good grades and be the Texans, or have a couple of questionable grades and be a playoff team? Now again, like. I would like for them to fix this strength problem. I would like for them to fix that. And if the players want a meeting room for their families, get a damn meeting room for the families. Do it. Fix it. I'm not panicking about Rashad Bateman's tweet. I'm not. It's, I get it. It's not ideal. It's suboptimal. It's not great, Bob. It's all of those things. But I'm not panicking about there being you know, some sort of disaster within the Ravens organization because of one tweet from Rashad Bateman. Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you today by the Baltimore County Police Department. They're hiring, and they're looking for you. If you have a passion for service and you want a career for life, there is a job available for you with the Baltimore County Police Department. Entry-level officers start at over $60,000 a year. Lateral officers at over $64,000 a year. Cadets at over $32,000 a year. $10,000 signing bonus available for entry-level and lateral officers Advancement opportunities available, specialization opportunities available, 25-year retirement at 60% with 3% every year thereafter, up to 100%. Medical, dental, vision insurance, so much available for you if you're even thinking about it. you got to be able to pass the agility test, but again, your boy is proven. Mr. Agilitor. Yes, I am the uh, the agilitist. Everybody knows that about me. The most uh, the most agilitist. The most, most agilit. Agile. No, the most agilit. <laughs> We're not being correct. No, it's most agilit. <laughs> okay, sure. Thank you. 410-887-5542. Join at BaltimoreCountyPD.com is the website. Uh, I want to make sure I shout out Chidnake, Coach uh, Leffler. Uh, talked about him. I grew up with him. He's ah. a Manchester kid. Uh, ah. Yeah, and now he's at Columbia. He's studying like neuro brain science. He's going to be a brain surgeon. He's a he's a badass. I mean, it's far more accomplished than I will ever dream of. Yeah, doing. yeah. Um, I didn't know a thigh bull was on uh, John. Yeah, it's because yeah. Matisse Thibel, yeah. Thibel's cousin. I looked yeah. six eight. I'm like, how do you end up yeah. there? But all right, so really smart. On this day, March second, nineteen sixty two, Wilt Chamberlain, hundred points, dropped ah, hundred points down in, in, uh, up in Hershey, Pennsylvania. In Hershey, Pennsylvania, yeah, at the right. old Hershey Park Arena. Yeah. That's still standing to this day. The old barn in Hershey. Yeah. Uh, also on this day, eighteen years Famously ago, famously where Kobe Bryant won a state title as well mm. in that building. So it's like a, it's this weird. It's what? just this sort of weird building that stands in Hershey, and like you would never be there. And then like, you well, find NBA out how the team was playing there then, or did Philly? Like, Philly travel? played okay. some, they, like the same way that um, when the Bullets moved to Washington for years, they would come back to Baltimore to play regular season games. They would play like four regular but season. But then they games were probably playing in like the Saddle Dome or something like that. The Bullets? 
They were playing well in the, whatever the Cap Center it was yeah. at the time. Oh, okay. They were they playing were in DC yeah. by then. They were okay. playing. The Bullets moved to Washington after they were. The Bullets were in Baltimore for a long for for ten years, whatever it was, and then they moved to Washington. But they were playing in Landover at the the Capitol Center, and to try to connect with the Baltimore fan base, they continued to play. I mean, into the nineties, they continued to play for reg not preseason games, regular season games a year. When these new arenas were built that required much more money, these luxury suites, things like that, NBA teams stopped voluntarily playing games other places. This new era of arenas demanded you needed to have people in those buildings because you needed those luxury suites filled. You needed all of those courtside seats, the big money stuff. You had to make sure that you took care of that. So NBA teams... Continue to play some pre. The, I mean, the the Wizards played one preseason game in Baltimore, I think, a few years back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just doesn't the, happen. It, well, and also it wasn't that well. The response wasn't great because why would we? Why would anybody in Baltimore? People in Baltimore showed up because they played the Knicks and Carmelo Anthony was playing for the Knicks at the time. But like, th- why would anyone in Baltimore be interested in going to a Wizards preseason game? They don't like the Wizards. <laughs> like. Nobody in D.C. likes the Wizards. How would anybody in Baltimore like the Wizards? And even if you did, what is the appeal of going to a preseason basketball game? How do you think a Hershey game would go if they had a Hershey game today, like the Sixers and the Wizards? Why not? I mean, I think it would. Uh, I think it would yeah. do very well. I think it would do extraordinarily well. I don't even know how the new arena in Hershey. I don't remember how like what the like the, seating the is. bear the Hershey Bears. Um, but it's just not something the NBA mm. like uh, the only games they play away from now are uh, like overseas when they're going specifically to a market where they're trying to. To, to I think build it would be cool fans. to see like a team like Indiana go to like one of those famed historic high school basketball gyms so in Indiana. I think it would be all, like if they played a game at well, I mean Hinkle Fieldhouse is in Indianapolis, so like why would you bother just playing at a different building yeah. in Indianapolis? But sure, like doing something like that would be cool. Or Bloomington yeah. and I th- and most yeah. of those teams do it in the preseason. Most mm-hmm. of those teams do something in the preseason where they go play somewhere. I think in like the, the Lakers, I think still play a preseason game in San Diego, maybe. Like or I know they were playing a preseason game in Vegas for a while. Like most of these teams try to do that. The, pre- the problem is the preseason is just no one cares. Like, who's gonna get? Yeah. Like I'm not saying they don't sell any tickets. They yeah. sell some. I mean, LeBron still, James is coming. Yeah. To but like, is he actually gonna? Right, mean, they don't right. even play in all the regular season games. More or less, play in the preseason games. It's just a tough. It's a tough sell. Anyway, yes, that game yeah. did happen in Hershey. Fans, yeah, that's so. what would ruin it. It's like, say you have the Pacers go play in Hinkle Fieldhouse and. Oh, or well, when they have Paul George. Yeah, I was oh, Paul say, George like, is load manager. Yeah, who would you tonight? really be all that upset yeah. about missing right now with the Pacers? Yeah, yeah that, I mean, that's part of the issue, too, 100%. Like, imagine scheduling a regular season. Imagine if, now that the new arena is open, God, I guess it would have to be Bradley Beal. Like, the Wizards schedule that game, and everybody's like, all right, well, at least I get to see Bradley Beal. No. And he's not playing yeah. that night. I'm like, not great. Um, oh, yeah, so I was also going to say, 18 years ago on, uh, on this day, my sister was born. Happy birthday. Ah, probably very, the two most significant things exactly. that occurred. Will, Will Chamberlain, Chamberlain and your my sister, sister was born. No doubt. Uh, and then, okay, so tonight. Does your sister know where she's going to college? Uh, she, she made that She's going to go to College Park. Very cool. She's yes, going to be a turf. Yes, very so cool. Congratulations so to your sister. I'll be tagging along, on, I'm sure, to she's, many she's a game. She's not an athlete, is she? No, she's not okay. an athlete. Right. Yeah. Um, she wants to be a lawyer. She <laughs> study poly- political might, science. We might need her. Might need her. Uh, Antoine Davis of Detroit Mercy is going to uh, tonight. He will be. He will need 26 points to break the Division One record for most career points. 
Pete Maravich currently holds the record. So this feels a little cheap because is he a fifth year uh, guy that got the entirety question. of Pro- the pro- I mean, probably. probably. It's like in college basketball, remember, they got an entire season. Yeah. This isn't like in lacrosse where like the season was canceled after. They got the entire season, just not the NCAA tournament, and they were still allowed to take another year. Um, Probably. Let me see if I can double check real quick. But, yeah, he needs 26 points tonight. They're playing Youngstown State. Um. I'm pulling up the bio here, Antoine Davis from Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah, this is his fifth season. Yeah, so. I mean, no, look, um, if, like I, it doesn't. Still, sure, yeah. it's a thing, no question. So that'll be something to watch for tonight in the Horizon League playoffs, uh, and then also on not last night but Tuesday night, uh, Nikola Jokic hundredth career triple double. He is already sixth all time. I saw someone make the argument that. Like there should never be a year where Nikola Jokic isn't the MVP because <laughs> no one has more impact on a basketball team than Nikola. It's Jokic kind of the Otani does. thing. Like it's a really interesting. Like I would, mm. I would have to spend more time on it. But mm. like it's a really interesting argument. Mm. What do you not like? Well, you don't like that? Jokic? What it's, is he stat bad? It's the fact Kendrick that he's going to become a three, three peat MVP and he has not made. He's made one conference final. I understand his Dorns. I, I understand that it's about it, the definition of the word. Like this is the problem. That speaks to the impact, though. What? How are how are how are you impactful? But when you get to the because games I think that matter, di- because there's a difference between value and outs- like most valuable and most outstanding. Uh, like, it's, I, it's like saying Steve Nash should win it every year. Well, he won a couple of them. That did happen. He yeah, won but two. But then we're, we're going to look back on this and be like, how did he win back to back? I don't how think. Did he win I three think times? The, the definition of the word Shohei Ot- the the Angels stink, but yet the most valuable player in baseball is definitely Shohei Otani because he can do more things. We've always obsessed over the word most valuable, whereas we should just make all of these awards most outstanding, and then you can get over that part of it because the argument that is being made about Nikola Jokic is who really is doing more for their basketball team than Nikola Jokic is. Who named the player? And I get the argument. I understand the argument. Like, there's... It's ama- It's insane what he does night in and night out to lift up a basketball team. He's just not yeah. the most outstanding player right. in the NBA. You, give, you want to give it to Jason Tatum over him? I'd, or, pick, I'd pick Giannis. Because yeah. Giannis... I think Giannis he, he is does, the most outstanding player yeah. in the NBA ever. I mean, we could get in debate about Steph Curry, too, when he's right. healthy. But like, I think that Giannis is the most he makes, outstanding he player. He makes grown men like, fear his game. Like, I, I hear you, yeah. man, but he doesn't do as many things as Nikola Jokic does. There are five other people with more career triple doubles than Nikola Jokic. Oscar Robertson. As of today, uh, Oscar Robertson is second on this list I all time. Russ someone. would be one. I Russ think, would right? be one. 198 for Russell Westbrook. 181 for uh, the Big O. And yet, and yet, we all clown Russell Westbrook. I'm so guessing much. the other two are Magic and Larry Bird. Magic is one of them. Yeah, Magic. Larry Bird is a little bit further down. Okay. He is ninth all time. I think it's possible that it's James Harden. Uh, it is not James Harden. because he shot too much. Yeah, James Harden is seventh. Excuse okay. me, eighth on the list. Mm-hmm. So it's very high on the list yeah, is what you're saying. Yeah, like, so um, down to one. Sorry, two more, two more. LeBron. Is sixth. LeBron is fifth, 106 for LeBron. And some of that ends up being just longevity. Mm-hmm. Like that's some of the, it's Not to take anything away from LeBron, but some of that is because he's been doing it for so long. Right. He's one behind. And also because he's willing to pass, unlike some players. Like, Kobe Bryant was never going to make this list because he was never yes. going to pass this much. Um, the last mm. one would be... The last one would be... Wilt Chamberlain? Uh, Wilt Chamberlain, only 78. So he is seventh on the list. Next one is... 
All right, tell me, is it a big man or is it a guard? It is a guard. It's a guard. Yes. Oh, um, Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd. 107. I, yeah. I, I should have gotten that, actually, originally. That uh, so we basically rounded out the top. We, we need one more to round out the top 10 if you want to go ahead and do that. He's an active no, player. It's 12, 26. Right, I don't Luca. Luca Doncic, oh, okay. 56. Right. And then uh, Fat Lever. I, you know what? I gotta be, Fat Lever? Fat really? Lever. Fat Lever is 11. Snatching no. those rebounds. Yes. Really? What was he, like 5 Arizona 11? State legend. Yeah, 5 11. How about that? That is Fat wild, Lever. man. That is wild, dude. All right, very good. Tubular is brought to you today, or just a reminder that gambling can be fun, but you should set a limit and stay within it. Remember that if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 for free confidential services. Go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Here's what's coming up tonight. Patriot League Tournament Action American at Navy at 7 o'clock. Loyola at Colgate at 7. That is a tough ask for Loyola, especially after playing two nights ago, but they're playing good basketball of late. Who knows? Maybe they got a shot to take down. The uh, the favorites. Yes, yeah. Colgate is is a power. They are a power. Both games at 7, both games on ESPN+. Plus. Locally, uh, of course, Navy is at home tonight, but also a big one, Cop and Morgan, second game for uh, the best rivalry in all of local sports, 7 o'clock tonight at Morgan, morganstatebears.com. If you want to watch it, uh, UMES is at Delaware State at 7.30 as well. There is an audio broadcast available through MLB TV today for Orioles Tigers. It is uh, Tyler Nevin uh, revenge game starting for the Tigers. Ah, sure. It is a Tigers radio broadcast. You, you mm-hmm. still, again, you have to have MLB TV in order to be able to listen to it. But this is what we got, dog. Why is it's, it called MLB TV? <laughs> because that's that's what it is, bro. I got nothing listening. Else. Grayson Rodriguez is on the mound today, so Ooh. that makes it compelling. Probably would be a nice game to be able to watch. Be swell. Uh, going up against Matthew Boyd, and because Grayson is pitching, they sent Adley Rutschman on the road for today's game to catch Grayson Rodriguez. So something that they uh, wanted to prioritize today. Big Ten hoops tonight, Michigan, Illinois at 7. We didn't even talk about Maryland. <laughs> I just realized we didn't even talk about Maryland. Probably just because I was, I didn't, I'm was, i depressed. I don't want to talk about it. Al is up. Kind of expected, I guess. What a, I think mean, that's I the mean, problem. Like yeah. Again, can't win on the road. The only the refing I, was not good. Uh, that wasn't the story. Yeah, it, it, it yeah probably wouldn't have changed anything, the, but it was the, not good. The issue here is that for all of the good things, for everything we've said, it's now the type of thing that we're going to have to talk about next year too, right? Like we are going to have to point out that for as much as we're in on Kevin Willard, as much as we like, they got to be a better team on the road. Now you're not, you're never going to win all of your games on the road. That's not that's ridiculous. But this is. I mean, it, the disparity between road and home is is a bit overwhelming. Went and, down 10-0 again. Yeah, like. I mean, it's these slow starts constantly on the road. And Ohio State, I get it. They just want it. Like, they're proving they're not as bad as we thought they were a couple weeks ago by beating Illinois and like following it up with this. But this ain't the game. This ain't the game that you should be. 16-1 at home, 4-9 on the road. Yeah. So they got to go Wait, back? 4-9. They're 2-9 two, they're two and nine, and then two. two nine. they have okay, two, two neutral site wins. Yeah. Gotcha. So they got to do back-to-back uh, on-the-road senior day games. Yeah, because they get Penn State, and they've never Maryland basketball has never played well at Penn State over the years. Um, so you know, it it stinks, and m- more importantly than that, it throws them right back into this peril of the tiebreaker scenarios and how this all plays out for trying to get a double bye in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, so, they're tied with four other Big Twelve teams. Yeah, it's, it's Big Ten. Big t- yeah. So yeah, they're yeah. the big like six. I don't know that they would win yeah. in one game road game in the Big Twelve. Um, it's yeah, it is not great, not great at all. But 
Uh, Big Ten Hoops tonight, as I mentioned. ESPN for Michigan, Illinois at 7. Uh, Rutgers, Minnesota at 7 on FS1. Purdue, Wisconsin at 9 on FS1. The rest of the college basketball find at glennclarkradio.com. ESPN for Phillies, Red Sox right now. And MLB Network for Diamondbacks, Dodgers at 3. NBC Sports, Washington, Raptors, Wizards at 7. TNT's got Sixers, Mavs at 7.30. Clippers, Warriors at 10. Round one of the Arnold Palmer Invitational at 2 o'clock on Golf Channel and Access TV for Impact Wrestling at 8. Some non-sports highlights? Uh, your boys are on James Corden tonight. Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. Ah, yes, from the Banshees. Very mediocre movie, The Banshees of an Ishram. Uh, Jonathan Majors will be on Seth Meyers tonight. Ah, yes. I will be watching Jonathan Majors in Creed 3 tonight at yeah. the Towson Movieplex. At, Cinemark, uh, right? Whatever it is. I don't, we don't, oh, we don't promote it. Okay. They don't yeah, the movieplex. Yes. Uh, John Mayer will be on Impractical Jokers tonight it's pretty cool sure yeah uh new episode of poker face and uh marlon wayans has a comedy special on hbo max okay and uh the chris rock thing by the way is this weekend yes i got a buddy who's going and i was like i wonder how much tickets cost i can't go anyway i got a game on saturday night but uh like getting in right now if you want to be there for the live the broadcast on netflix is over a thousand dollars at the hippodrome oh my on saturday night so Good luck. Enjoy. I mean, if you if you got it, whatever. Go right ahead. Enjoy your <laughs> night. My buddy's like, yeah, I'm going because we're going to we're going to see our friend uh, AJ. Of course, uh, WWE SmackDown is in DC tomorrow night, so we're gonna go down for that. And he was like, I can't get sick because I got tickets for Chris Rock on Saturday. I'm like, you son of a bitch. But I can't go anyway. All right, very good. Uh, thanks today to uh, both Catherine Bixby and Josh Leffler from Johns Hopkins, Cam Holden from Towson, our buddy Jake Luke joined us. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hits section of the... Oh, my God, it's so good. Tab at glennclarkradio.com. Tomorrow, Stan the Fan is in studio. Taryn Vavra. Taryn Vavra. Join us from Baltimore. And then uh, former Raven, uh, Brad Jackson. I'll talk some NFL draft yes. with Brad Jackson. He's got a new gig. We'll let him uh, explain it to us as he's working with the Senior Bowl now. And mm-hmm. I, I just found that out uh, on Jim Nagy's Twitter account. I was like, wait, did you say Brad Jackson? What? That same guy? Turns out, yes, it's the same guy. I've known Brad for a long time. All right, very good. Thanks today to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including the Baltimore County Police Department, Problem Gambling, Royal Farms, the Costas Inn, Maryland Jockey Club, Birdland Sports, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Don't forget, PressBoxOnline.com slash offers for all of the best deals for signing up for sports betting. At Charles AP underscore 28. No underscore. No. Charles. Why do I period, keep putting an underscore Charles in it? Period AP 28. Charles period AP yep. 28. I'm going to get that right as soon as the semester ends. That's how you follow him on Instagram. Uh, follow Griffin at Griffin underscore best. Follow us Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Thursday evening. Uh, go Loyola. Go Navy Hoops. Go Morgan or Coppin. Duke sucks.